What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Radio Mania, <laughs> episode number 102, your nerdy public radio for all things entertainment and pop culture. My name is Zach Rotello, at Zach Rotello on Twitter, and sitting across from me in the virtual space in Cleveland, Ohio, is the surge-loving uh, John Swanson Parker. It's so bad. It's so bad. And White Claw, you know, I, I respect the brand, but uh, good God. Good like drinking, uh, oh God, it's just like drinking like fuel. Yeah, that's right. You're going to need some jet fuel out there. Everybody's going to need some fuel in their tummies because this is Radiovania. It's a nerdy pop culture podcast that John and I do every now and then when we get the time. We're going to try and do it every bi-weekly like you get your paychecks because you want that money. That's right. You want that money. You want your paychecks every month, don't you, you dirty little big boy? (laughs) We talk about movies. We talk about television. We talk about everything under the sun that we enjoy talking about. And you can follow the show by going to Radiovania.com. That's got all of our old episodes in a podcast form that you can check out you can also check us out on all podcast services of your choosing spotify pod uh, pod whatever apple calls it podcasts i guess they, uh, they originated apple podcast, I think it's yeah. apple podcast yeah street uh spreaker <laughs> stitcher whatever the fuck you want to do it's it's you it's you it's all about you it's all about you it's the viewer you. it's you <laughs> and then you can go to uh email us radiovania show at gmail.com with your questions comments and concerns at radiovania on twitter and uh now we have radio vision um, we're still working on the details on setting up that second podcast feed, but for now, that's our new show where we're talking about television. And uh, you can also check out all of our fast casts and all of our movie reviews by checking out Radiovania.com. It's all there, buttoned up for you in one nice little package. Isn't that right, John? The Radiovania Extended Universe. That's right, yeah. Roo. The Roo. <laughs> the Rougarou. <laughs> the Rougarou. <laughs> that's right. Well, we got we a great show. Roller coasters. That should be our next adventure. That would actually be a great... We go to different theme parks around the world and we do a vlog. That would be a great After Dark podcast is like, you know, the next time we do one of those. Which roller coaster would you want to get a hand job on? Oh, sure. (laughs) It's a small Uh, world. (laughs) See, I'd go Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was just a dick joke, but yeah, pirates would be better. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. All right. <laughs> we got a great episode here. Uh, we have an awesome episode for you today. It's going to be a thick daddy, so we're trying to move this one out in a time where it is. Uh, we're recording this on August 18th, 2022, and ordinarily, I don't really say the date off the bat, but I feel like we might start doing that we're in the because middle of I history think yeah it might be a, i always put the date in when we publish the episode but i think it might be pertinent to have everyone know what we're about to talk about because today we're about to talk about some like really pertinent news that's going on in the entertainment world um it's going to be an interesting podcast i'm curious to know what john has to say we've been we've been kind of sitting on all this information for a while it's going to be a really good podcast i hope you guys are in for it we've got uh the prey review john and i are going to talk about the new hulu prey film the predator sequel we're going to talk about the new a24 flick bodies 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 we're going to talk about i am groot the disney plus mini series thing but then beyond that we're also doing warner bros discovery implosion watch uh i haven't thought of a better term for it but basically it's (laughs) All the HBO Max drama, all the Batgirl drama, all the stuff that's going on right now with the DCU and the Warner Brothers, all the stuff with the streaming services. We've got a lot of stuff to cover, um, so we're going to kind of move it at a clip today. So that means that there's really no time for bullshit. <laughs> Who's this hard knock Zach? I love it. There's I'm just no trying time to, for bullshit. 
<laughs> we ain't got no time that, for bullshit. Baby. No, this is a big pod. We have a lot to talk about in terms of the Warner Brothers specifically. That's going to be a very interesting conversation. So yeah, let's move it right along, baby. Yeah. So stay tuned because we're gonna we're gonna front load it with a lot of news topics that are going on. But then at the very end of the podcast, we're gonna do our prairie review. So stick around for that if you want to hear what we thought about the new Predator film. Um, but first, before we get into everything, John, what you been up to? Well, you and I both watched Prey individually. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna talk about that later on in the show. So I can say my thoughts for that. But I liked it. It's on Hulu. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we both saw Bodies Times Three. Bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> The new A24 film, you, me, and Carly went and saw it uh, after our camping trip when I was pestered with Poison Ivy, but I didn't know it yet. So that's kind of fun to think about. Sorry for whoever sat in the chair after me. Um, do you want to talk about that now? Yeah, I say let's think? get it out of the way because we're, this isn't going to be like a full-fledged review. Um, I say let's avoid, let's avoid spoilers. It was good. Spoilers? Let's avoid spoilers? Is that, yeah? Sure. Is there much to spoil? (laughs) I think so. I think that if you know the spoilers going in, this movie is not as good as it. No, that was a joke. Stay Um, away from spoilers for bodies, bodies, bodies. Don't. Yeah, definitely worth going to see uh, for sure. Like most A24 films, whether they're a slam dunk or not, I think they're all worth checking out. Such an an enticing film studio. Um, This has a really, really good cast of young actors, and they're making fun of the zillennial generation, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, love love that commentary. Um, I won't go into too much specifics, but like it's just like a fun like horror comedy, like dark horror comedy, black black comedy stuff like that. Good yeah. good things. Yeah, um, directed by someone that I was completely unfamiliar with. Her name's Helena Rain. Helena Rain of uh, uh, renowned director, actress, author, and producer. She's the winner of multiple awards, including the Dutch Film Award, the Golden Calf for Best Actress, the Dutch Theater Awards. Uh, her most most known for she she was a bit role, like a side role in the 2008 Tom Cruise film Valkyrie. What? She was the Margar- Nazi movie? Marguerite von Owen. Oh my god, I forgot he played a Nazi officer in that movie. That movie's insane. Um, but she directed a film called Instinct in 2019. She directed a short film called For the Birds in 2021. And Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is her first like full director credit uh, ever. Um, yeah. The Bodies, Bodies, Bodies right now it's sitting at an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes with 158 critic reviews and a 73% audience score. Uh, it stars Amanda St- Amandla Amandla Stenberg, uh, Maria Bakalava, who's uh, made waves recently as being Borat's daughter, um, Rachel Snow, Lee Pace, the standout, Rachel Snow, Rachel Snow, the standout, Lee Pace, and Pete Davidson. Um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I think I was the highest on it on the group as we left the theater. I think I was the most into it. Um, it's just a really, it's a really inventive concept. Um, I thought we were in for more, again, like this is one of those movies where it's like, if you don't want to know anything about it, maybe just don't listen to anything we're about to say whatsoever. I tried to avoid as much as I could about this movie. All I knew is that it's a bunch of young people in a house and people start dying. That's all I knew. 
and I went to this movie relatively blind. I also knew that like Pete Davidson is in it. I knew that Maria Bakalava was in it, and I really liked her and Borat. I really, I, you know, Pete Davidson. I don't really care for him as a person, as a like a figure, but I find him funny in the movies that he is in. I re- I thought he was hilarious in the Suicide Squad. Um, Blackguard sold us out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, stay away from the stay away from this if you don't want to have anything spoiled for. I but I hundred percent recommend this movie to go see in theaters if you can find a really good crowd to see it too. I think that it would be a really good, you know, a group movie. It's also a movie that I think you talk about a lot. I I, I don't know. Like I think you leave this movie with a lot to say. Yeah. Would you definitely. agree or no? No, yeah. I would I would for sure agree. It's it's got a lot of um like political commentary in it that you could really dive into over time. But Yeah. But I really liked it. I thought it was really oh, yeah. excellently directed. For for like a first time big feature film director, like I found it very impressive. Like it is worth seeing in a theater just because of how dark it is. Like the there's there's like no power in the house for like the second half of the movie. That's not spoiling much, but like it's watching this like in the daytime in your home. I just feel yeah, like you no. want to get the same thing out of it. So no, it was a, it was a cool atmosphere just to see it at night in a dark theater with good sound. I will say like one of my favorite things about the movie is I thought the sound design and the music was awesome. Uh, the guy that did the score was disaster disaster piece. I think I got that right. Um, what I may mainly know him from is he composed the score for one of my favorite indie games of all time, which is Hotline Miami. I don't know if you've ever played oh, this yeah. game. No, Hotline in Miami is the game that that woman's playing in Last of Us Part Two when Ellie knifes her in the throat. Right? Oh, really? I forgot about that. On yeah. The Vita? Yeah, and she's playing it on the Vita. But man, that game has an awesome like '80s synthwave score, and this this movie has a really really cool score behind it. Yeah, it does. When the music shows up, and also the pop music that they use like intertwined within the movie, I thought was really really cool too. Like the end credits theme is fucking fire. I've been listening to that on my Spotify this week. Yeah, um, good stuff. But yeah, like John said, I think the most interesting thing about this movie is what you walk away with, like talking about it, like the commentary on Gen Z and the commentary on the TikTok generation. It's like it is interesting. And I my so I my younger brother is seven years younger than me, and he is what he he's definitely past that millennial threshold. He's definitely in that younger generation uh, where he's all about the social media and the TikTok, and like he and I really want him to see this movie so I can talk to someone. That's my biggest thing is that like after leaving this movie, what I told you in the car was that I know you're cringing from that claw. That was just sorry. <laughs> What I told this is not about your review. This is this is purely existential on me. What I told you in the car is that I wonder if younger people would look at this movie and think like, oh, older people, millennials or whoever, because like the director of this movie, I don't I don't know how old she is, but whatever. But I would imagine that she's like in her late twenties, maybe early thirties. Um, well, I would wonder. Now. I would wonder if the TikTok generation, that Gen Z, that the Zoomer generation, whatever, would look at this movie and be like, that's. That is a hyper, hyperbolic interpretation of what we are, and it, they would seem out of touch. Because to me, this movie did represent my what I think of when I think about the TikTok generation. But maybe um, that's just yeah. me being on the cusp of my thirties and just she's forty six. She's forty six. Well, there, there you go. Then I think that this is a great. I think this is a commentary from someone that like has no real involvement in that generation. Like I think that this is a pretty honest look at what that is. I just, I, I would wonder if like younger generations would look at this and think that it's silly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to play bodies, bodies, bodies though, right? It's a, fu- it sounds like a fun game. 
Especially if Lee Pace is involved, sign me the fuck up. Lee Pace. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, shout out to okay, Lee Pace. No, answer this question for me real quick before you continue. What is his character's name in The Hobbit? I could not remember. Thranduil. Thranduil. Oh! <laughs> it's been racking my brain all week, but I'm doing that thing where I don't want to look stuff up. I want to. I want the alcohol to not kill all my brain cells. Totally sure. forgot. Well, you know I'm your number one resource for the Hobbit trilogy, so. Yeah, but I remember, like, uh, I remember uh, Alfred. I remember that character, but for some oh, reason I couldn't could remember forget, the name Thogger. Who could forget fucking Alfred? Yeah. Jesus Christ. But, uh, no, Lee Pace, Lee Pace, just shout out to him as being a great actor that I don't think gets enough work. He is so Handsome. fucking, he's great looking, but he's also just charismatic as hell. This whole movie, he's so... Ah, like, there's a one scene that, I'm not going to spoil the context of it, but he gets kind of heated, and it's like, oh, you're, I was like, I was like gripping my seat, because he's just so good. He he is such a great dramatic actor, he's yeah. a great comedic actor, like, I want to see him in more shit. I honestly be, thought uh, everyone on this cast was, like, banging it out, man. He'd be a good saber tooth. Uh, sure, I can see that, I can see that. Victor. But yeah. Definitely recommend Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I, I, I think that it's a really interesting movie. I wouldn't know if I would say it's like a great movie. I just think that it's a movie you come away with having a lot to say. It's kind of like seeing Nope, right? Like Nope isn't the best thing since sliced bread, but it's it's unique and it's interesting. And it's nice yeah. to get movies like that in the world that we live in. I feel like this year more than, definitely more than last year, like we've gotten like some really cool, unique movies, everything everywhere all at once. You know, I haven't seen The Northman yet, but you know, like that Robert Eggers is a very unique filmmaker, like stuff like that. It's just nice to get a good balanced year of film. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I recommend you see this. I, I, I mean, if you can get a good $10 ticket, like it's, I think it's totally worth seeing. It's a good, I, I or you do what we I, did, ball out, go out for a nice dinner, and then go yeah, sit that's down a, and watch that shit. That's right. I, I, I think that this might be, I, and here's someone that I haven't gone on a first date with someone in over eight years, but I'm going to say this is a good date night movie. Because I think you leave this. I think you leave this with a lot to talk about with your significant with with a date. And you're like, and you're like kind of horned up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, it's a very horny movie too, which I can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, a twenty four. Keep doing what you're doing. I mean, seriously, with all this, I still haven't seen Marcel the Shell, which I, I talked to a coworker that saw it over the weekend. And he said he bawled like a baby, and I was like, "Fuck, fuck." Is I this like the fourth A twenty four movie this year? Uh, yeah. Well, They're just cranking them, man. Yeah, everything, everywhere, X, uh, oh, X. bodies, it's like the fifth and one, Marcel men. the Shell. Well, oh, men. So yeah, five that I can count. I need to see X still too. Jesus Christ, I'm way behind. X is great, but yeah. Oh my God, 2022. Yeah, they have they've had a lot so far. But yeah, cool. bodies, bodies, bodies. Check it out. It's really cool. Uh, recommend it highly. But um, yeah, uh, we both talked about bodies, bodies, bodies. So do you want to go next, my buddy? Uh, yeah, sure. I watched the Jordan Peele trilogy. Uh, out of order. I've seen Get Out before, but since the last time we did a news episode of the show, I went and saw an open theaters. And then I rented and watched Us for the first time. So I've recently watched all three of them within a span of like two weeks. Talk about another interesting filmmaker, like Jordan Peele. What a guy. And since it's been a couple years, I would like to take this time to talk to you about Us. Because we've never talked about it on the pod. Sure. What a fucking flick, man. Good shit. Love that. 
Yeah, it, I, it's an unpopular. It, it seems to be an unpopular opinion, but it's my favorite Jordan Peele movie. I, th- I still think I, I still think Get Out's better, um, but I can see how you, as Zachary Rotella, would like this more. And I will say that I think Lupita is the oh. best actor in all three of his movies. Oh but I think God. the concept of Get Out is a little more interesting to me. Got it. Yeah, I, I definitely think that I agree with you 100%. I think Lupita Nyong'o's acting in Us is, like, unparalleled. I think that it, it is a fucking shame. People were talking about this that year that Us came out. I think it was, like, 2018 or 2019 or something like 19. that. Yeah. 2019. People were uh, talking about her in the same way they were talking about, uh, oh, fuck, sorry, mit, uh, Hereditary lead actress. Midsummer. No, no, no. No, oh, no, uh, no, no. Tony Collette. Tony Collette. People were talking about her in the same way they talked about. Everyone on Reddit was saying that Lupita Nyong'o, Lupita Nyong'o got Tony Collette'd at the Oscars that year yeah. because she wasn't nominated for anything. And I was like, "That is fucking insane." She yeah. gave such an awesome performance. Yeah. Um, the kids too. Yeah, good. The kids good are young great. Actors. Winston, Winston Duke. Duke. Come on, Jinx. give it up for my boy Winston Duke. That guy's awesome in Us. But yeah. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you finally watched it. I, I I agree with you. Like I think that us Get Out is probably the better movie. I just prefer Us because I think I really like sci-fi horror a lot. I think that that's a cool genre. I think that Get yeah. Out is much more of a I like social movies. commentary with like a exactly. backdrop of horror, and yeah. I think that that's really cool. But Us, I just think as a straight up sci-fi movie is just really really cool. But yeah, yeah, agreed. Um. No, I thought it was fantastic. I'm glad I finally watched it. I would have loved to have seen it in the theater. So that's, you know, yeah. again, that's a my bad. That's the only one of the three that I haven't seen in the theater. Um, but, you know, I still enjoy it. I watched it at home with a frozen pizza and like four glasses of wine by myself. I had a great fucking time. So do you ever think about like pairings? You know what I mean? When you were going to watch a movie oh, at home? Absolutely. That is. That crosses my mind every time. It's like, okay. what, what am I watching? What am I going to eat or drink with this thing? Because different things call for different things. Like, I'm not, I'm not about to, I'm not about to drink a fucking Miller Lite while I watch a Wes Anderson movie. Like, that calls for a nice glass of whiskey or a glass of wine or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. You yeah. know, like you got to pair that thing up right. Yeah, yeah. I think like, yeah. One, I was just like, I, I finished work that day and I was like, man, like, I just saw Nope last week. I watched Get Out, like literally the night before i was like i kind of want to just keep this party rolling i got a frozen pizza in the freezer that sounds bomb i'm gonna eat that whole fucking thing and watch this family get haunted <laughs> I was like, let's go <laughs> and i just you know plopped down on the floor and uh sat back and let it wash over me i will say the like cold open style that jordan peele has for all three of his films yep this is the best one with yaya at the festival um, I agree. Yeah, really, really cool, man. What a stylistic filmmaker. I can't wait to see what he continues to do. So yeah, go check out those movies if you haven't seen them. So. Yeah, Jordan Peele has entered that list of directors for me, like a Christopher Nolan or a Denis Villeneuve or a uh, Wes Anderson, where I think that they're batting a thousand. Like, uh, Jordan Peele, every single thing that he's done has been great. So like, yeah. I'll watch Dunkirk was a bunt, but that's okay. Dunkirk was a great. That's a whole nother podcast, man. Dunkirk was really, really good, entertaining. I just don't give a fuck about war movies, so it didn't resonate with me. But I think yeah. it was well made. You know, is that why you don't like Wonder Woman as much? Do we talk about that on the pod? You know, maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, I just don't care about I war think we're movies. Figuring at all. it out. Okay, you know, cool. Saving Private Ryan totally overrated. 
Mm. All right, all the veterans out there, go after him at Zach Rattel. <laughs> no, I'm just joking with you. Uh, Zach, right. what have you been up to? I'm going to throw it back to you. Yeah, we watched I Am Groot. Yeah, we did, didn't we? I forgot about it. Didn't even write it down. Big, it, it is it is a kid's cartoon, and I don't think there's anything else to say about it. I don't, I guess it would be like young, young kid, like three, like short attention same... span type stuff, like Pixar shorts. Here, yeah, here's, a, here's an analogy. I Am Groot to me is exactly what Scrat was in the Ice Age movies when I was a kid. Wow. Where Ice Age, the original, I stand by, great animated movie. Really, really good, heartfelt animated movie. But, better than Shrek? Yeah, better than Shrek. Shrek sucks. But uh, This is my swamp. <laughs> <laughs> but Scrat was like the, the, the funny slapstick character that everybody wanted to watch and like funny do thing. Yeah, know, I'm more of a squirrel. Diego guy. I was a, I liked Sid the Sloth. Yeah. Actually, no, wait, is Ray Romano the... Ray the, Romano is the... Is I, the, I love Ray Romano. I'm going to go yeah. with that. Deborah, Deborah, I got these fucking sloths hanging. <laughs> One of my favorite Ray Romano jokes ever is in the movie The Big Sick. Have you seen it? No, I've never seen The Big Sick. Oh, man. Never mind. I can't tell you. Seems, I don't seems really it. sad. No, it's hilarious. It's it's literally one of the funniest jokes ever. But whatever. Okay, moving on. I have list. But yeah, no, I am Groot. Totally inoffensive. Just it is a thing. I, I I think that they marketed it appropriately. They were like, hey, it's coming. Here's a trailer. They didn't like hype this thing up because I think if they hyped it up, we would have been like, what the fuck is this shit? But the fact but it was that they were on just, the MCU timeline at D twenty three. Sure, but that's something that they just have to do because otherwise people would be like, where is it? Why why would this is this not canon? Like that's how crazy some of these fans are. I don't know. Do you remember when they did the, um, did you ever look on Disney plus when they did like the nature sounds thing where it's like soundscapes and they just like record like, Oh dude, you would love this. It's like stuff that it's like stuff you fall asleep to. So like, there's like one that's like, it's like 20 minutes and it's just like pure sound of like different things in nature, but it's set in the animated cartoons. So like one is like water and it's just like Moana sailing a ship and stuff like that. It's like it's purely designed to like lull you to sleep or like calm a child down probably. Um, and they just dropped that out of the blue. I, I actually think it would have been kind of funny if I am Groot just like showed up one day and we're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they, they clearly said it was short films. They were three minutes, three and a half minutes, yeah. five minutes, including credits. I, I just you and I banged like, it out while Carly was getting ready to go to dinner. So. Seriously, it, it, it completely inoffensive. That's exactly the like nothing that I'll ever remember or ever rewatch. It was just inoffensive. I definitely think there will be young kids that love Baby Groot that will be like, oh, let's put on the Baby Groot show or whatever, and you get fifteen minutes of entertainment. But like, it was yeah. fine. I see what purpose it serves, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Is what it is. What's next, John? Um, I have a couple comic books to talk about, and then I'll let you talk about all the shows that you've been watching. Uh, so we haven't done a comic shop talk in a while, so I'm just going to start rolling it into the intros because, uh, you know, that's been happening. But I brought show and tell for Zach only because we don't publish the videos. I also held this comic book in my hand while I was Yeah, there. The Passageway is a new uh, graphic novel. It's maybe maybe 50 pages. It's not super long. But it's from Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, uh, or Andrea Sorrentino. 
um, the beautiful creative team behind one of our favorites, shared favorites, Gideon Falls, as well as uh, DC Property. Um, they did a black label book called Joker Killer Smile. Good stuff. Um, this is really sick, dude. So this is the first entry into this new shared universe that they have developed called The Bone Orchard of Mythos. Uh, there was a free comic book day release that was like a little prologue short story. This is also a little short story. They're following this up with um, like a six issue limited run for like a different story arc. But this one's cool. I told Zach, if you like uh, Gideon Falls meets the movie Lighthouse, this is like right up your alley. So check it out at your local so comic book peddler. It's only 17 bucks. How it's hard do you think it's going to be for me to find a the hardcover copy? Because I'd love to get in on it on the it's ground. The floor. only only copy they got. Really? Hardcover. Oh, perfect. Yep. Um, perfect. And it looks beautiful. I mean, like oh, it's the a great cover, cover. Is sick. It's just like really dope. So, and then in terms of sorry, I'm gonna set this down as quiet as I can. In terms of monthly books, got some fun ones that I've been reading. So, and Zach, you might be reading these too. Um, Batman has a new creative team behind it. So we got. My boy Chip Sadarsky, who's also writing Daredevil, which is also on this list here. Uh, Daredevil has finished um, the last run that they were working on and has rebooted with the new number one. There's obviously still the legacy numbering, but Chip Sadarsky and Mark Cicetta are still finishing that run. This is their last story arc on Daredevil, so now is the time to jump in at the ground floor. Um, their ter- uh, his take on Batman with uh, writer or with artist uh, Jorge Jimenez is really dope so far. Big fan. The Batman book has needed a strong writer for a long time. Uh, Detective has a new team. Um, Ram V and Ralph Albuquerque. Cool and, ass uh, cover. Really cool. It's going to be a gothic opera, which is really fucking sick. It's a really good murder mystery so far that's brewing. And Ram V is the current writer of Swamp Thing, which is the last one on my list. Swamp Thing only has one more issue to go. I'm really sad that it's almost over, but that has been fucking stellar so far. And then the last one that I want to bring up, uh, people have probably already read this, but I'm reading it for the first time, which is Strange Adventures by Tom King and Mike, uh, or not Mike, Mitch Gerard and uh, Doc Shaner. And that is from the creative team that did a Eisner winning Mr. Miracle book. This book, I don't even want to tell you about it. Just fucking read it. Like, it's, okay. I've only read four issues and it's amazing. Yeah, you've so sold good. me just on the the idea of just like you don't want to tell me anything, so read it. Like that's enough to sell me on it. So it's like it's a character that nobody's like super cares about unless you're like eighty years old. But like this take of the character and the the concept of the story is just so encapsulating that like I'm probably gonna finish it tonight when we're done. Honestly, like I I, I had to not read it at work today and that killed me. Because I was so busy at work and all I wanted to do was just like fuck around and read uh, Strange Adventures. But yeah, definitely check it out. The trade paperback comes out later this year, but you can currently get the hardcover if you didn't buy it in single issues. It was coming out in the middle of the pandemic, so I missed it and I didn't want to jump in in the middle. So I just waited until the trade came out. So I texted you and Cal the other day that I've been waiting two years to read this book. Worth the wait, worth the hype. So Cool. I'm excited to hear. It. I'm excited to check it out. I'm I'm gonna have a. I'm already preparing my wallet for the. Uh, sometime this weekend, I'm gonna stop by my comic book shop and pick up some trades that I or pick up some issues that I've had there. But I'm also gonna try and see if I can get the Sorrentino book and also check for Strange Adventures because you've already hyped it up. I can't wait to check yeah. it out. Yeah, check it out. Go support your local comic book shop. That's all I've been up to, man. 
Okay. I'm going to try and rip through these really quick so we can get to the, the news flashpoint, but um, I've been rewatching The League. Great getting show. Hyped, getting hyped up for fantasy. Uh, I haven't rewatched. So here's the thing is that we don't talk about this very often on Radiovania. I don't like rewatching shows or, you know, movies are a different thing. Like every now and then I'm in the mood to rewatch a movie that I really love. But for television shows, like people, there's people out there, uh, my girlfriend included, that will just put on The Office or Parks and Recreation or New Girl, Bob's Burgers, and I just don't get that. Like, I don't really like rewatching television shows. I think the only one that I consistently rewatch is Seinfeld. Like, if there's like a like a if I'm bored and I don't know what to watch and I just want to watch something funny for half an hour, I might throw on a Seinfeld episode or two, but. I generally really like to watch new things and consume new content. Um, yeah. Things that I haven't experienced before. But uh, football's coming up. I'm really excited about football this year. Uh, our draft is coming up in a couple weeks. I'm really, really excited about fantasy football. And so I've been like in the mood to be in that mood. And so I started rewatching the league from season one just every night while I've been getting ready for bed. I've just been sitting on the patio while I you know, unwind for the day and I, you know, pop that melatonin and wait for that bad boy to kick in. I've just been putting on episodes of the league. <laughs> and awesome. uh, can I just say, like, I, I, that show, some of the jokes, completely offensive, completely irreverent, but that was the fucking point. And in that time period, it was still funny. Th- that show reminds me of like the Kevin Smith movies where some of those jokes, it's like you probably shouldn't <laughs> make these days. Oh, we totally do. Oh, we totally do. But I stand by the fact that I think the league is just one of those like awesome lightning in a bottle television shows that is so fucking funny. Like, and there may be some jokes that like stick out where you're like, ah, that's not as funny now as it was probably back in the early two thousands. But like, man, that show I think just holds up in terms of like the characters. The characters are so funny. Ruxin is hilarious. Andre is so fucking funny. Yeah, Andre's um, my man. It, it is it is such a really entertaining show, and I love um, Jenny is such a character that I love absolutely. Like Kevin McAllister's wife, like the fact that she like loves football but does isn't involved, and then she gets involved in the fantasy group, and then what her involvement leads into. Like I think that it's just. It's a really cool show. The fact that it it centers around, there's never ever been a show like it. I don't know if there ever will be a show like it. The fact that it's like a a sitcom that revolves around fantasy football. It's like that is such a unique idea that no one has tried to replicate. I just I think um, and also like FX is just an underrated um, television production. Like they got this, they got sure. Fargo. Uh, Fargo. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Ever heard of it? Like yeah. So good stuff, yeah, man. Been re- rewatching the league just to get hyped for football season. It's really good. I never finished the show because it finished airing in college, and by that point, like I had stopped watching like weekly shows in college like this. So I'm curious to see. I'm gonna watch it to the end because I think that I've got enough time between now and the draft day to finish it. But I never saw how it ended, so I'm curious to see what happens there. Nice man. Um, next up, and I won't spend too much time on this because I know that John has already had my ear, his ears pumped full of this shit for the better part of a decade. Oh, wait, is this Better Call Saul? Yes. What's that? I'm just kidding. No, I mean, it's almost over, right? It's over. It's over? So the finale. I know know you've been enjoying watching it, but I'm sure it was stuck the landing. 
yeah, the series finale was this past Monday. Um, that would be August. Jesus Christ, where's my calendar? August fifteenth. The season, the series finale ended, which means that um, Breaking Bad started in two thousand and four. 2006 i'm gonna butcher the dates but better call uh, breaking bad was airing while we were in high school i finished the series in college better call saul started a couple years into my college career and it is just now ending which means better call saul has been going on for about seven years just longer a little bit longer yeah and better call saul is uh i caught up i started watching breaking bad three seasons in i started watching lost two or three seasons in how i met your mother i caught later i never i was not born in the time of seinfeld so but better call saul is the first television show that i've i can remember vividly watching every week religiously from the time that it aired to the time that it finished wow Um, this is part of your life's over yeah and that was the thing is that the episode ended on monday and um i just kind of sat there and i had a a really it it felt really somber to me because it was a it was like a chapter of my life had kind of closed. Like, yeah. and Vince Gilligan has been giving all these interviews that where he's saying like, we've explored the Breaking Bad universe. Like, we did a great TV show that was lauded and critically acclaimed. We did the spinoff show that we weren't sure if people were going to like, but then it ended up being on par, if not better, in some people's opinions. In Breaking Bad, we had the El Camino movie where we focus on Jesse. Like, this universe has been basically flawless the entire way through and it's been with me since i was in high school and it's really weird to close the book and monday when that episode finished like the credits started rolling and like i started to get kind of choked up and like sure yeah um i just breaking bad is my favorite show of all time i think better call saul is right there it is like it's hard to view them as separate things because they are so intertwined um, which is why I love it. Um, it's the best prequel of all time. I, I, like I'm saying that right out the gate. Like Godfather Two, definitely up there. But Better Call Saul is it's like a half prequel. But yeah, sure. But Better <laughs> yeah. Call Saul is six seasons of television that is a prequel to Breaking Bad, which is people what people call the greatest, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Well, that, in the Breaking Bad universe is like that's the proof that like there are some things that are better told in television. As yes. opposed to in a movie. Whereas like there are some things that we prefer to have as a movie. So it's like it's kinda cool to to see how successful both of those shows have been over the course of the time. And I'm a fucking schlub, so I haven't gotten around to watching a single second of Breaking or of uh Butter Call Saw. I've seen Breaking Bad, I love it. It's fantastic, but um, And you would you would love it. I mean, like just to, sorry to interrupt you, but like you were t- we were talking we were joking around earlier this week. Neither of us have watched She Hulk, right? You haven't watched She Hulk? No, <laughs> but you you made a comment to me in the in the group chat with with Uncle Cal, and you were saying like I love court dramas. Better yeah. Call Saul is the best court drama ever because that's the whole fucking thing. Is right. like it's not Breaking Bad. It's not about the high energy cooking meth and like drug empire stuff. It it is mostly a crime drama, like a like a like a courtroom drama. Yeah. It yeah. is so up your alley. I would love for you to watch the show and get into it. But like man, it. Ended- Where do you watch it on? So it that's the frustrating part is that it's an AMC show. Same with Breaking right. Bad. So like right now, Breaking uh, you can only really 
if you subscribe to AMC Plus, which is the worst streaming service of all time, it's terrible. Fuck you, AMC. <laughs> you fucking assholes. It's because the night- Walking Dead. It literally, but like AMC Plus, AMC is trying to make their own streaming platform with AMC Plus. The night that the premiere, the season, the season finale of Better Call Saul comes out, they're having connectivity issues. So yeah, I tried it's to like old I, HBO. Dude, it, it bounced me out of my login. I couldn't log in. I couldn't get the things right. I couldn't load anything up. And eventually I, I, I threw the remotes down and I was like, fuck it, fuck it. And I went to Amazon and I bought the episode for $2 and I just watched it that way. Yeah, so see, um, that's what I did with Yellowstone. I just bought the seasons on Amazon. I actually think buying things on Amazon is is better. It's way <laughs> I better. Know, I know I'm part of the problem, but their streaming is just so much better. It's way better. And like, and I've been thinking about wanting to, um, just watch it, just like buckle down and get into it. And honestly, like I might just buy all seven seasons of it or whatever, and just be like, well, here we go. Most of the seasons, if I'm not mistaken, at least recently, I don't know if I've checked, but if you have Amazon Prime, I think at least the first four seasons are free with Prime. Oh, cool. But, man, all the streaming talk aside, like, that finale of Better Call Saul, like, one of, and I don't want to hype it up too much, I, that's the problem, is that it's, it, too bad. it's, it's too such late, a part. Man. You've been hyping know, it up for, part. like, weeks. I know. Yeah. It's a part of me. The Breaking Bad universe, like, it is it is one of the best, most cohesive pieces of entertainment I've ever seen. Like, just the way that they tie characters together and the way that people are written and the how intricate the plots are. Like, it is so smart. It is so well done. Yeah. And that finale left me with such a pit in my stomach. Not because I wasn't, like, fulfilled with how it ended, but it was just, like... Wow, I I can't believe that they did it. Like, I really do think that, like, you know, this is going to be one of those shows that I'm happy to have been part of the ground floor on. Like every week, like reading, talking with people on the subreddits about it, being involved in that conversation on Twitter. Because, like, I really do think that this show will stand the test of time. Like in in a decade, when people start talking about, you know, the Albuquerque universe, the Breaking Bad, the El Camino, the Better Call Saul, like, it is such it is such a cohesive, well-made universe. Like, I, 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 even my mother, my fucking mother, my mother's, like, almost in her 60s. She, she texted me the night the premiere came out, and she was like, I'm blown away. I can't believe how good I, that was. Like, I'm so glad I started watching it when I did. Like, thank you for getting me onto this. And it's like, that's my mom. Like, that's my fucking yeah. mom. And I was like, I, I, I just, I think that the show is just so good. It's so, it is, I don't know. I could suck this show's dick for an hour, man. It's just, uh, I would love for you to watch it because if you say that you like, like the courtroom drama, like, especially if you like Breaking Bad, like, just imagine those worlds colliding, and you haven't even fucking met Kim Wexler, who's, like, one of the best characters in the whole fucking Breaking Bad universe. <laughs> it's so, so good. So, yeah, Better Call Saul ended this week. I'm a, I'm a hopeless pit of despair. Nothing will ever be good again in life, and, uh, yeah. So that's Do you it. think it's strategic that She-Hulk starts the week, literally the week that it's over? We talked about this on the on your patio. I I think that it's a happy coincidence because um, happy coincidence. Or I do you think, think that it's, it's just a, Disney being like, yeah, you fuckers, <laughs> one more pledge into the night. <laughs> I think it's a coincidence because this season, uh, the final season of Better Call Saul was like thirteen episodes, fourteen episodes, and it was like split in half. Right? They split it in half, but um, Bob Odenkirk, uh, who plays Saul Goodman, had a heart attack 
during the filming of the final season. Yeah. And um, he was he's out of okay commission. Now, though. Yeah. He is okay. He's he said that he's like totally healthy. He's been seeing like dietitians and and it's probably a vegan now. Maybe I don't know. He hasn't said anything about that on shows or whatever. But like um, that held them up for a couple weeks of filming and stuff like that. So things got pushed around and delayed. But um, yeah, cool man. I I I'll end it by saying like I don't know. They the Critics Choice Awards just happened. They swept it. It was best series. He got best actor. Rhea Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler, got best actress. Are um, they eligible for the Emmys? Yes. I think that they should be eligible for the Emmys this year. If I'm not Because mistaken, they started before the Emmy cutoff, even though I they finished so. after? Yes. Does that mean they'll be eligible twice? Because that'd be pretty cool. I don't think that's how it works. I think they give it to one. Either the year that it started before the cutoff or the year after when you, you pass the cutoff. Yeah, because the boys is always after the cutoff. On purpose. It's really weird. Yeah. That's cool, man. Uh, I mean, it's this is, again, you know, I've been saying this many times. It's not for lack of not liking the property or anything like that. I just... It was on AMC. I never had cable. This was going on during college. I was poor shit. You know, I probably could have pirated it or something. But, like, now that it's over, now that it's at a place where I could probably just sit through and just crank through it, that's probably the best way for me to do it. Because I watched all of Breaking Bad in a month. I yeah. watched it on Netflix when it was on there. So, yeah, and that's the thing too is that like, I'm glad that I was part of the discussion because like that's something I'll never forget is that you know that was something I was never able to be a part of for like a Lost, but for Breaking Bad for seasons four for three four and five of Breaking Bad and then all of Better Call Saul, after every single episode, I would go straight to Reddit because yeah. the discussion would be the post episode discussion and I'd be able to chat in there with other people and it was like that's an experience that i will you know never forget and it feels weird because like a lot of people in the in the reddit for better call saul were like thank you everybody for like being part of our lives for seven years all these anonymous people that i've never met before in my life but they're like thank you for discussing the show with us the show that we've all really enjoyed like for so many years like it really is the end of an era like thank you so much for being a part of this it was like it was super bittersweet and i was like in a really i was in a real weird place (laughs) (laughs) i was like man i was like i don't know if life will ever be and the thing is is that amc is like gonna hemorrhage subscribers because it was the only thing keeping it going was better call Saul. but they announced uh right after the finale that um giancarlo esposito the fucking goat and Bob Odenkirk are each getting their own shows on AMC where they're the leading man, uh, not connected to better call Saul or breaking bad, but they're like, we signed them on for a multi-year deal where they're getting their own individual shows where they're the, they're the lead actor. And yeah, that's cool. I, I, you know, we'll see what happens with there, but yeah. Dope. Um, my last thing is, and I don't have to spend much time on this, I've been watching only murders in the building. I hate true crime. I think it's a fucking waste of time. Uh, It's stupid. I don't understand why you'd want to use your free time listening about the misfortunes of others. This is also why I don't enjoy the boys. Um, But I will say that only murders in the building is a very pleasant show. Steve Martin is great. Martin Short is hilarious. Yeah. It's a really charming show. Yeah, it's a it's a very charming show. It's not my favorite thing I've ever watched, but it's 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 good. 
<laughs> I don't know why people would. <laughs> That's funny. I don't understand why the show has a hundred percent critic review rating on Rotten Tomatoes. People love Most, that comedic duo. It's that's all those old Rotten Tomatoes. You know what I mean? The plot, the plot is the terrible. The old tomatoes, terrible. Just it is literally the plot is literally a conduit to get Martin Short and Steve Martin to say funny things to each other. To me, that a good story that does not make. But you know, very very wise Master Yoda. <laughs> Cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> All right. John, are you ready to get to the news flashpoint and get this fucking show over with? Well, Jesus Christ. All right. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, after his, after pouring out your soul on Breaking Bad, maybe we should just save all the news for the next next show. I feel like we're you just put an, it all out on the line. We're only an hour and a half into this bad boy. An hour and a half on the what we've been up to? No, total, including Batman. Oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> I I'm saw your soul another, leave I'm your body for a second drink. there. Wait, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? All right, go ahead. <laughs> all right, John, it's time to transition to the news flashpoint. This week in the news flashpoint, we're going to start it off with some fucking bangers, and I know we're going to have a lot of information to cover. So let's save our opinions and thoughts until we're done discussing some of the big things. Does that sound okay? Yes, sir. Okay, so welcome to Warner Brothers Discovery Implosion Watch. Dun, 2022. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like it needs like the Olympic music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got a couple different articles here from Variety. Uh, this was published on August 2nd, 2022. Batgirl film axed by Warner Brothers won't be released on any platform. Variety writes that... Uh, uh, the production starring Leslie Grace's Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, and directed by Bad Boys for Life and Ms. Marvel filmmakers Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fela was greenlit in 2021 as part of a company-wide effort at Warner Brothers to create feature films specifically for HBO Max. But the new corporate regime at Warner Brothers Discovery has pivoted the company's priorities back to theatrical features, leaving Batgirl without a proper home. Also on the chopping block, Scoob Holiday Haunt, a follow-up to the 2020 film Scoob, has been shelved by the studio. Footage for the animated adaptation of Scooby-Doo series was showcased in a scissor roll for HBO Max in December 2021. Sources indicate that the production had cost Warner Brothers $40 million. Uh, studio insiders insist the decision to ask Axe Batgirl was not driven by the quality of the film or commitment to the filmmakers, but by the desire for the studio slate of DC features to be at blockbuster scale. Uh, Batgirl was budgeted to screen in homes on HBO Max and not for a major global release in theaters. The initial $75 million production budget for the project, which finished pr principal photography earlier this year and was in post-production, reached $90 million, due in part to the COVID-related delays and protocols. Now, I want to table that article. That was when Batgirl got canceled. There was yep. some unshaky business going on with HBO Max and Warner Brothers Discovery. Hollywood Reporter, who I'm just going to say is my favorite resource for film news because I feel like they compile everything into really well-digestible pieces. So yeah. I apologize if some of this information is I've already stated, but I think that getting through this will help in our understanding of the situation a little bit. So on August 17th, 2022... Hollywood Reporter wrote an article entitled Why Warner Brothers Discovery's Issues Are Beyond Batgirl. Good one. 
Good one, Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> Months before the Justice Department blessed the $43 billion Warner Brothers Discovery merger, 30 members of Congress warned the agency in a letter that the resulting competition vacuum could allow the newly formed giant to ignore what consumers want. Among the antitrust concerns they pressed was that it could dampen diverse and inclusive programming. Which has become a common criticism after Warner Brothers Discovery canned its $90 million HBO Max film Batgirl, the first DC movie led by a Latina, Leslie Grace. Quote, there's been no indication that with Batgirl that they'll shop it around, end quote, says Rep- Representative Joaquin Castro from Dallas, Texas. Um, quote, so this incredibly Democratic gifted- senator from Texas. Democratic senator from Texas, yeah. Quote, so this incredibly gifted Latina actress and wonderful story get thrown down the drain for a tax write-off. End quote. In the four months since the deal closed, CEO David Zaslav has overhauled the entertainment powerhouse. During an August 4th earnings call, he trumpeted a 10-year plan for DC and a reset that involved shelving Batgirl, part of a cost-savings push, and pivot back to creating projects for theaters. Quote, it's not about how much, it's about how good. The message was clear. Batgirl doesn't live up to Warner's new standards for theatrical releases and has no place in its streaming plans. Hyphenated, Blue Beetle, starring Zolo Marineduena, I hope I'm proud to say that right, as DC's first Latino superhero, in December was scheduled for an August 2023 theatrical release after initially being destined for HBO Max. And hyphen. So far, Warner Brothers Discovery has taken an $825 million write-down on content, axing projects like Scoob, Holiday Haunt, Wonder Twins, and J.J. Abrams' big-budget sci-fi drama Demimonde. 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 To help pay off Demimonde. Demimonde. To help pay off $50 billion plus in debt it racked up to complete the deal. Experts question if these moves indicate that the newly merged company has too much market power under antitrust laws, which seek to promote innovation choice and product variety. Merger enforcers consider it if a deal will be incentivized a company to, quote, withdraw a product that has that a significant number of customers strongly prefer, end quote, according to the DOJ and FTC guidelines. Quote, you have to ask if this combined entity has sufficient market share to act unilaterally with respect to the traditional parameters of competition, like pricing and output, end quote, says USC law professor Jonathan Barnett. Uh, quote, you'd be concerned by some of the post-closing actions, end quote. So it goes on. This article goes on, and you can read it if you go to The Hollywood Reporter and you search why Warner Brothers Discovery issues are beyond Batgirl. And it kind of goes into a lot of different things about this, including the fact that in uh, August 3rd of 2022, right around the time when all these articles are coming up, there was speculation that HBO Max was – the Warner Brothers Discovery was going to lay off 70% of the development team of HBO Max. That ended up not being 100% true. However, they did decrease their staff by 14%, and this was published on the 15th of August. Um, So HBO Max did get layoffs, not 70% of the development team, but 14% overall after they closed on the $43 billion acquisition in April. So there's that. There's the, the layoffs. 
we also stick with me, everyone. I know that this is a long road to travel, and I promise I'm getting you to the finish line. Uh, NBC News reported that uh, after the earnings call, uh, what what Zaslav told in the earnings call was that HBO Max and Discovery Plus are going to eventually combine into a single streaming service. Um, they don't have a deadline, but they said it, the summer of 2023 with other re- other regions to follow in 2024. Um, so there. That's the surface level. And we have a couple articles here. We have stuff about Batman. We have stuff about Peacemaker. We have stuff about Idris Elba and then the Joker conundrum here. Um, but before we dive into the more specific aspects of where this whole thing is going, the first things I want to talk about, because I've been talking a bunch and I've been reading the headlines, we've been both, I think I think it's fair to say that you and I both have been kind of like indulging in this news as it's been coming out and i think that both of us can say that we've had a fair share of time to think about what has been happening so um john i want to start with you um to give me a break from reading through the news and just say like where are you where are you at now we're about like today's august 18th we're about 10 ish days from when all of this like 18 days from when it all started breaking loose, but we're a few, like a week or so from all of this stuff starting to kind of like the dust starting to settle. So yeah. where are you at? Where are you at with the Batgirl stuff? Where are you at with Warner Bros. Discovery, with Zaslav and all of this stuff? How are you feeling? G- give me give me your pitch. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shelve the Batgirl thing, no pun intended, for a second, because I think that that's where my, my personal feelings are going to get more involved in terms of like anger. But from just a jobs perspective, let's talk about like Warner Brothers Discovery, HBO Max jobs, things of that nature. In Hollywood, developing television shows and movies, you make pilots, you do pitches. There are things that you get paid to write. You get paid to write scripts. You get paid to film a pilot. It doesn't mean that they're always going to launch. However, this is a very unprecedented form where they have announced things that are on the calendar that are big multi-million dollar projects that then now are setting the precedent of being like, oh, well, we, we can just retroactively take that away. Zaslav's a very interesting person to talk about. He's like the Grim Reaper of like art. <laughs> he's just like, he's just like come through since taking over and I don't, I don't remember the guy who was in his place beforehand, but the whole idea of having movies coming directly to HBO Max, I was not opposed to that. I love a good smaller budget movie like A Prey, or like, no no jokes aside, but like, like A Deep Water. Like, I love getting movies that can just stream directly on the service, and that's where it's made for. I don't think they look bad just because they're on a small screen. Clearly, Peacemaker was made for the small screen. still looks fucking great. There's good television shows that look good. You know, Yellowstone's made for the small screen, and it's very cinematic. But, like, it, if I'm tied to any project over there, like, I would be concerned. And I'm also just, like, I'm kind of bummed, because, like, did anyone ask for this? No. This guy's, like, we made this big, gigantic deal to try to compete with Disney. And it doesn't matter about anything that anyone's been involved with up until now. Now we're trying to raise the floor of the of the hole that we've dug ourselves into. 
and it kind of makes me go back to our episode where we talked about streaming and the streaming wars and it's just like this is like one of those battles that you read about in history where like somebody wins but they don't really win because they like lost like 90% of their army you know what I mean yeah like Gettysburg or something it's I don't know it's it's really weird and it's it's really sad too like I sure. wouldn't want to be working in the entertainment industry on the small screen right now. Yeah. And it's it leaves us in an interesting place where it's like Warner Brothers has been doing so many weird out of left field things. They were the first studio to say, hey, you know what? We're going to release all of our theatrical movies on HBO Max. They burned a lot of bridges with filmmakers after that. Strike one. Mm-hmm. Now they're doing stuff specifically for the small screen and saying, actually, we only want to release that in theaters. We're going to renege on our initial idea. Strike two. It's like, what's real? Like, what? There's no leadership over there. And like, this is bigger than DC, which is why I wanted to talk about Warner Brothers specifically first. Because like, I yeah. love Warner Brothers. They make a lot of great sure. movies. Mr. Jim Warner. What a great guy, you know? And Tony Warner. I don't know what their fucking names are. But like, Warner Brothers has given me a lot of great properties in my lifetime. Yeah, for sure. Including the Nolan movies, DC stuff, Casablanca, like all those old, fantastic Warner Brothers gangster movies. It's just kind of weird to see the direction that they're going. And like, I love HBO Max. We've talked about how that's our favorite streaming service. You're going to tell me that like next year it's going to be like di- like Discovery Plus Max Warner thing. And it's going to be like probably more expensive and stupider and i don't know i'm concerned yeah something to throw in here is that the rap uh originally had an inside source which they've not we've not been able to get any additional clarification on this and i don't see any other site that has been able to either which says that uh an insider from uh a source that the rap was able to talk to about this entire hbo discovery and we'll talk about the earnings call and everything like that where they you know they lost what was it 3.2 there was apparently a 3.2 billion dollar loss in warner brothers discovery and all this stuff but one of the comments below um from an insider source said that quote all i know is that they're folding hbo max into hbo sounds like they're not doing hbo max scripted shows anymore with hbo taking over so less scripted shows overall end quote And this is literally before their next big project from HBO Max, House of the Dragon, something that you and I aren't necessarily stoked about, but a lot of people are really excited for. And it's like, guess what? We live in a world where they could have easily just been like, actually, we're not releasing House of the Dragon. Sorry. I mean, they did that already with that. (coughs) So they filmed a... uh... They filmed, I think it was two or three episodes of a Game of Thrones series that was centered around, oh, I don't remember, the the Starks or something like that, or the Baratheons. But they filmed like two or three episodes of a series that was going to be a Game of Thrones prequel series, and they ended up like completely canceling it. Um they completely yeah. put it on the shelf, but they filmed it. It's out there somewhere. Somewhere sitting in a production house is a half-edited pilot 
and a couple episodes of a another Game of Thrones spinoff, and but they ended up shelving it, and they took a couple a year or two to develop House of the Dragons, and that's coming out. That's coming out, out this September. weekend. This no, weekend? It starts this weekend. Starts wow. on Sunday. Um, here's what I will say: if we could turn it to DC a little bit, Jim Lee, if you're listening, like. Good God, you're our only hope. Please adapt all of these projects that are getting shelved into comic books. Because I feel really bad for the people that have been involved in this. Yeah. Just make a giant contributions page on the first page that has everyone's name that was attached to the movie. And print like a nine-issue Batgirl comic book that is drawn by you or somebody else that can capture what this movie was supposed to be featuring Leslie Grace and... And Commissioner Gordon and fucking Michael Keaton and just like give give that its due. I know you've done stuff like this in the past. Marvel's done this too, but like Yeah. I don't want this thing to completely die in the dark. But DC is owned by Warner Brothers. I don't know if they're gonna be able to legally. Like if Jim Lee's like, Can we do this? Fucking Zaslav might be like, No. Yeah. So let's here's the here's what I'll say before we transition off of this. I'm gonna say I am a little bit not a little bit. I'm very concerned with what's going on. I think a lot of the world is as well. People that are up to date with entertainment and pop culture stuff are also being like, what is happening? HBO has always been this premier streaming service. And I don't mean to touch on sacred ground here, but we're also dealing with the Last of Us series that's coming out next year, which is a highly anticipated series. Like, People are wondering, like, how are they going to no be good stewards of this project? Yeah, no word of this, no trailer. There's no conf- confirmation that this easily, could also get axed. It could easily well. just die. Yep. Yeah. So I think that it's safe to say that we're all concerned. I don't, and here's what I'll say is that we don't know enough about the intricacies of Hollywood, and we don't have insider information to be able to say, like, details about anything. But what I can say is that from all the information that's been coming out with the earnings calls and with all the stuff, the cancellation of Batgirl, it doesn't paint this streaming service and this company, this production company, in a positive light. Would you agree with me? Oh, totally. Yeah. So that being said... We're concerned about what's happening with HBO Max. We're concerned about what's happening with Warner Brothers and this merger with Discovery and Zaslav and whatever they're doing over there. What do you? What the fuck do you think their ten-year plan for DC is? Though that's what I want to know. <laughs> so let's transition to that. I want to know specifically how you, Jonathan Swansongathan Parker, are feeling about the Batgirl cancellation because that's the big. That was I'm the big bummed. bombshell that started this whole thing. Is that a ninety million dollar movie just thrown to the gutters? A movie that we may never see. You know what movie was made on a nine million dollar, ninety million dollar budget is Logan, and that movie looks fucking great. <laughs> it's just like it's I don't true. really. We'll never know. Um, but I'm really bummed. I love the obviously you know. I love the Bat Universe. This is featuring the return of my guy Michael Keaton as Batman, J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon, Leslie Grace premiering as the first backer we've had on screen since Elisa Silverstone. In Batman and Robin. I mean. They already mentioned in that article you read. But like Latina superhero. You know. Representation is important. I'm not saying that it's a racist move necessarily. But it is a bad coincidence. You never know. He is a white man. But he has a very Russian sounding last name though. Zadlov. It does. I do think he's just a. 
a white dude. It's just, um, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of at a loss for words because, like, I was more banking on this than the Flash movie to get my Keaton dose. Because I was like, oh, well, that's coming direct to streaming. Like, at least I'll get that next year. Yeah. And then and that's like, something it's not that... being come. It's not going to come out ever. And I was like, what? Yeah, I didn't. And now they're this... like, we're trying to get Ezra Miller to apologize. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that bastard. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I just as a note for everybody out there that's listening, I was going to include stuff about Ezra Miller, but we don't know what they're like, what the current climate is with Ezra Miller. The the most recent bit of news is that there was a leak from insider sources that said that they were planning on three options for the Flash movie. Either A, Ezra Miller does a apologetic video where they apologize for all their actions and stuff like that, and they release the movie with limited marketing from him. I think B was they distance themselves from the entire production. Ezra Miller just steps away from the whole thing and they release it without any of that thing. Or option three was that they just straight up shelve the movie. So that was an option that they were kicking around. In the the fact that that's an option leads me to believe that that's where they're going. Isn't that crazy, though? Isn't that crazy that that's a world like, that we live like in? That they just shelve this whole movie. fucking movie because this, this fucking egomaniac actor just went on a rampage and has just completely lost touch with their humanity. Like, it, it, what a weird world we live in, dude. And also, like, way to burn your bridge with Michael Keaton twice. They were trying yeah. to they were trying to shepherd him in to be the new Tony Stark, Nick Fury-like figure where he's going to be popping up in multiple movies, which is something that we can talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, And, like, now it's just like, mm, I know we said we weren't going to do the Zack Snyderverse anymore, but, like, we're just going to stick to our guns. And it's yeah. like, all right, let's just, like, creative freedom fucking die. Yeah, jumping in here real quick with a little blurb. Uh, along with this key role in The Flash, Keaton was to appear in Batgirl before that movie was shelved permanently at Warner Brothers Discovery. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Keaton filmed a scene for Aquaman 2 that test audiences found, quote, confusing, end quote, because it was unclear how or why Keaton's Batman was in the DCEU. Um, that was also part of this whole reconfiguration, which is why... We also added in that little blurb in the news doc about uh, Jason Momoa posting on social media that he and Ben Affleck were working together on the set of Aquaman 2. Yep. Um, which, theoretically, if we didn't know anything about the whole Michael Keaton involvement, would be like, oh, cool. Ben, Affleck is, ben yeah. Affleck is hanging out on the set of Aquaman 2. Maybe he'll have a cameo. Cool. But now we know from insider sources that it's like, well, he's being replaced. He was being replaced. Keaton was supposed to be in that. And one has to wonder if it's like a case of the studio saying, like, we don't want Keaton in this. Or, well, like, they cite the test audiences saying, like, we're confused as to why Keaton was in that, which, fuck you, Hollywood. Get better test audiences. Or it's the fact that, like, I, my opinion, my opinion, and I'm not trying to start anything here. We, we are a, a very minor podcast. We don't do anything for the wide world of entertainment pop culture. I personally think that Michael Keaton is like he was convinced to join this Flash movie 
And now after all this fallout, all this dealing with the, the, the big companies and the mergers and the acquisitions and the cancellations, he's probably like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to have any part of this. Like, would you? It depends what that 10-year plan holds. Because what if what if that plan is to restructure around him getting his own like things? You know what I mean? Where he's not this side character. He's like he gets to be making more money in a, in a in a different role. I mean, it's not it's not completely lost per se, but you know, at the same time, it is like it would be a weird thing to have this been hyped up for what three or four years that he's coming back. Yeah. And like he's in, he's been in teased in the fandom twice, and then to now be like, eh, his first three entries are potentially on the chopping block. Yeah, it sucks. It's pretty crazy. Do I love <laughs> Batfleck? Yes, but it's it's so weird. If we don't ever see this Flash movie, that's the that's the pod where where you're gonna see a very sad sad man on the other end of the, the fucking camera. Because we'll regardless see. regardless of Ezra Miller, that's the two Batman multiverse thing is something that I've been craving and like dreaming about for years. For years. And it's not that hard to pull off, but they just keep betting on the wrong horses. So hopefully this new plan, you know, if you want to be the optimist, which I can't say that I am right now, hopefully this new plan has some some structure and some road behind it because right now it's just been like seems like they've just been taking whatever turn they want yeah and then a nail in the coffin like i'm excited to talk about this with you later but like i can't get michael keaton to appear in a movie but you're making a second fucking joker movie because it made money yeah zach is making the money sign on the video for yeah me. but like michael keaton made money too dumbasses he was the first blockbuster superhero of all time figure it out yeah it's frustrating i'm yeah, done talking I, I about think it's, i'm done talking about the fucking dc universe this is fucking horseshit like yeah get that's it together that's the problem is that like it, it, here's the thing is that like if we can have a rare moment of sobriety on radiovania is that um we started this podcast in 2016, right? Or 2017? Yeah, leading up to BVS. Re- leading up to Batman vs. Superman. This was in the height of, it was post-Man of Steel, but pre-Batman v. Superman. And we were like in that weird sort of period where it's like, where we are like they going? Stonk, stonks up. <laughs> yeah, it was like, Marvel is making Marvel's making all these movies. DC is trying to like combat them. What are they doing? They're putting Batman and Superman in a movie in the sequel to Man of Steel. And from that moment forward, whether, you know, John and I disagree in our opinions on some of the DC movies, but, like, they've never nailed it. I'd say they nailed it once. With what? The Suicide Squad. Sure, okay, yeah. So, I would say Shazam and and the Suicide Squad. But the Batman doesn't count. I'm I'm talking about the DC DC Extended Universe. We've been talking about this for the better part of seven years eight years and like 
the fact that we're dealing with this now in the year of our Lord 2022, where HBO, HBO Warner Brothers, like this whole conglomerate is shelving movies. They're canceling projects. They're worried about their lead actors. They're not sure if they're going to be able to get Michael Keaton to fucking be in their movies. Like what is happening? Like it It doesn't even sound like they're not sure if they can get him. It's they're They're deciding that they don't want him, which is a terrible idea. It is. You're gonna tell me that Morbius has Michael Keaton in it, but you can't get him into being a fucking Aquaman movie? Are you kidding me? I just don't. I don't understand. I don't understand what is happening. Like this is the studio tr- that made Dune. That's the problem. What happened? <laughs> that's the big problem, dude. Is that like you see these artists come through Warner Brothers with these beautiful ideas and concepts and they're able to execute on them why is it literally because they're just playing catch-up to marvel that they see the numbers and they're not able to they're not able to hit those numbers so that anything less than that is a failure because if that's so they're just completely barking up the wrong tree no one is ever going to be marvel we're going to look back on all the shit in 50 years and be like wow that was cool when in the late 2020 in the 2020s in the 2010s and 2020s when marvel was ruling the box office but in 50 years we're gonna look back and be like why the fuck was dc not doing that like you know it was like i just don't i don't get i don't get it like and the fact that they're the people the fact that people are so concerned about them ruining their app says all you need to know about how their relationship is with the market because HBO Max is the best streaming service and I will contest that to the day that I die. It has premier movies. It has the best original programming. HBO Max, HBO has the best original shows of all the streaming services combined. I guarantee it. Even if I don't love all of them, Game of Thrones, The Newsroom, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, fucking Westworld, fucking... The Last of Us is coming out next year. It's like HBO has HBO has the premier streaming service platform. And the fact that they are shaking in their boots, Watch apparently, me. they're losing money. It's like that is so concerning because it's like like we talked about, like you said earlier, like we're, we were talking about streaming. The, streaming has been a popular co- topic of conversation this past couple years with the pandemic, with all this stuff like. What are audiences going to do? We have too much choice. Streaming services are becoming more like cable television. That's the sentiment I see more often than not on social media is people are like, I'm not paying for all these fucking social media platforms. Like, it's expensive. I broke down in our group chat, like, all the social, like, the streaming services I pay for. It's like, how is this any better than cable? And if at this point, like if HBO is not providing me with the quality that they have been, why would I not just cut them loose? Like, I don't get what is happening in their leadership right now. Like, they are in such a weird place. I I just don't get it. This is also like the third or fourth captain change they've had in like two or three years. Yeah. Something I want to read here. Um... This is completely bizarre to me. And this also just illustrates more to what we're talking about with the whole uncertainty revolving around HBO. James Gunn posted on Twitter, 
a photo of the casting board for the Suicide Squad. And a random Twitter account replied. And in the midst of all of this uncertainty with HBO Max and all this bullshit, they literally just asked him, is Peacemaker Season 2 safe? And James Gunn replied, yes, calm down. (laughs) Just the fact that someone asked that question and he felt the need to respond that's ridiculous that's ridiculous the fact that people might not I also be- don't love his tone where he's like guys calm down like I feel like that's his just project didn't get canceled but like someone else's did that's kind of rude a little bit but you know that's, I that's feel like guy. that's just I feel like that's just James Gunn's attitude generally he's like yes calm down like yeah well I, he's it's because he's fucking bulletproof with the exception of when Disney tried to fire him but like whatever yeah I don't know I, I but again like regardless of all that stuff I just feel like it's crazy that he has to clarify that yeah it's crazy peacemaker was one of the criti- most critically acclaimed television shows of the last couple of years. It was a viral sensation with Do You Want to Taste It and John Cena and that whole cast. Like, the fact that people have to be worried about the fact that Peacemaker 2 might not happen. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, fuck. I know. Like, Netflix cancels a show every week. We talk about this. Should we start tweeting at Neil Druckmann? Is The Last of Us safe? (laughs) I I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think at this point they're too far deep in the budget. But. So let me me lay out a scenario for you real quick and I'll let you finish your train of thought. If they announce that the Flash movie gets shelved, call me. Because, you know, I might jump off my balcony. But if they announce that the Last of Us TV show gets shelved, you're going to have to come up and be my body man for a little bit because I will be unwell. <laughs> no, you, you can count on me. If, the, if they can't. I deserve that show, and you know that I do. <laughs> and I would be so fucking mad if it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they cancel the Last of Us TV show, I'm gonna commit you to like a like the hospital from Moon Knight or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Hawke's like, yeah. So Jonathan, how was your day? And I was like, uh, Joel, Ellie. <laughs> so, in conclusion, before we move on to some like less than HBO Max, Batgirl stuff, like the cancellation of Batgirl. All the uncertainty with HBO and Warner Brothers, like, where does this leave you? Where does this leave you feeling? Like, um, I actually thought they were on the uptick. And now I'm, I'm back down. I'm back down to being untrusting. So, Isn't it just crazy? Like, can they, we just have a... They strung together, like, five hits, and now they're like, you know what? We're trading all the players away. But, yeah, I agree. But also... Can we just have, again, a rare moment of, like, honesty with Radiovania? The fact that we've been talking about all of this stuff for so many years. Like, I never thought we'd get to this point where they're yeah. fucking canceling shows and there's uncertainty about HBO and Warner Brothers is losing money. It's like, 
yeah, Man of Steel wasn't exactly the movie I wanted. Batman v Superman was okay, but not the best thing in the world. Justice League was a clusterfuck. The Snyder Cut was pretty good. Like, that's the thing. They did the Snyder Cut, but they can't do this? I know, yeah. Because, and that that's was what numbers- kills me, man. Like, do you remember I don't how give much- a fuck about a four-hour Zack Snyder movie. Do you remember, they paid, um, I think it was they paid $40 million, $50 million to give him the, the resources to do the final cut? It's half the production budget of this movie. Isn't that crazy? And the thing that we got at the end was, people call me the Martian Manhunter. Who's going <laughs> to give you a reach around? Yeah. Go fuck yourself, Warner Brothers. You heard it here. I just... I'm never watching hope. Tenet because of you. This is your fault. <laughs> here's my hope. My hope is that one day... We are... Old men. Waiting to die alone. <laughs> Thank you for finishing the quote. I got you, man. And Another Warner Brothers classic. <laughs> sure. Syncope. No one can touch syncope. Those those guys are those guys are invincible. But I just want one day for us to be as cohesively entwined with the DC cinematic universe that we have been with Marvel. And I just don't know if it'll ever happen in our lifetime. I've given up. I'm I'm all about the literature at this point. Like you have a you have a better bet of getting a or no, you know what I'm all about is what I said two episodes ago. Just watch those animated shows. <laughs> They're fucking great. Until HBO merges into Discovery and they're not available to be streamed anymore. In which case I have the DVDs, come stop by any fucking time. I'll put them on for you. Yeah. And so here's the last thing I'll say before we transition to the last the the other pieces of news that don't necessarily have to do with the status of DC. I'll say I wasn't alive or cognizant during this time. I, I was alive, but I wasn't cognizant during the time when Marvel was bankrupt and they were selling their IP Yeah, to make sure that they could stay afloat. Yeah. Do we think, and I'm, I'm asking you, my best friend, the guy that knows the most about DC properties and comics and everything, do you think that we could be hitting that historic low? For DC properties, where there's a possibility that they could end up selling their stuff to stuff that's not Warner Brothers in an effort to rebuild the brand. They might sell DC. To, to Disney. who? To who? To, to Di- Disney. To Disney? <laughs> Marvel versus DC crossover. That could be a whole phase three, man. Disney's, Disney's going to make them an offer they can't refuse. And then fucking Batman and Mickey Mouse and Iron Man are just going to be circle jerking. Um... No, I no, I do think that they could start selling off parts of the characters. There's not a fucking fat chance in the world that Warner Brothers will ever part with Batman and Superman. Ever. Why would you? That's like fucking that's like selling Mickey Mouse or like fucking uh But why I don't know. but if they if they have proof after proof that the movies they're making aren't making money why wouldn't they give it to someone that they could think they could sell it to a higher amount of money like they haven't made because then you could be losing more in the future by not having them true but think about where marvel was when they were going bankrupt like they they sold the shitty characters first first but they they sold a lot of marvel like didn't they sell sell like a shit ton of the marvel stuff so they sold they sold Spider-Man to Sony. That was the, that was like one of the last eggs. 
And then they sold the X-Men. That was a big one to Fox. They sold the Fantastic Four and the Hulk as well. But then they were able to retain some of the other ones. I don't know. You know what would be cool, though, is if they sold Batman to A24. That'd be sick. <laughs> Ooh. Right? Give me a fucking uh, Ari Aster Batman movie. <laughs> With, like, I'll... Mad Hatter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're just doing their work for him at this point. Yeah, we're doing the work for him. All right, we're moving on. Do you have anything left to say about the whole Batgirl HBO Max collapse? I'm very sorry to everyone who's worked on multiple projects that your project was just recently announced that it was canceled. I do hope that you were compensated that the work you've done thus far, but you do not get to enjoy sharing it with the world, which sucks. I really feel for you. I am not an artist by any chance, but... I'm very close to people that are, and I can't imagine having that type of creative vision repressed for a financial gain. So I'm very sorry. Um, and hope that you land on your feet and find something else. I agree with everything John has said there. That's a great, great statement, buddy. Idris Elba <laughs> has teased a big DC superhero return in the works. Um, Idris Elba... Um, During press rounds for Elba's new movie, Beast, Elba told Davis, a spokesperson for... Yeah, oh yeah, Beast. Have you seen those trailers? Yeah, it's like Jaws with a lion. That shit looks terrible. Dude, I would totally see that. Are you kidding me? It just was awesome. Well, Elba told uh, the press that fans would see him next in a DC project rather than a Marvel one. He even indicated that he has, quote, a really big thing cooking for a DC return. Although he didn't share any specific details, Davis's tweet can be read below. Um, basically, that's it. So, Elba May's DC debut is Bloodsport in 2021, Suicide Squad. Do you have any doubt in your mind that this is Peacemaker Season 2? Yes. That's definitely what it is. I agree 100%. And I'm um, all for that, baby. I would love yes. to see Bloodsport in Peacemaker Season 2. Come on. Yes. That would be so fucking awesome. Because clearly anything else is probably not a big enough blockbuster hit for them to release it. So it's got to be that. And that's all it can be. Yeah, for sure. Would I like to see him in a Superman movie? Yes. Are they making a Superman movie? I don't know. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> who's, who's to say? There's, they? Like that, who's to say? there's like that black Superman movie and that J.J. Abrams Superman movie. None of that's probably going to happen. Dude, none of that's going to happen at all. Michael B. Jordan is just Henry is Cavill out had there COVID, and... quote unquote, and couldn't go to Comic-Con. But now we know that it was HBO. It was like, you don't get out on that fucking stage at exactly. all. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Henry Cavill's building a computer somewhere. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. What's the wor- what? Let me ask you this. What's the world we live in where Shazam is the last DC movie ever? Oh my god. Um, How crazy would that be? Well, no. Shazam and Black Adam are definitely coming to theaters, but beyond that, I don't know what's happening. That's what I'm saying. Like, What if that's the last DCEU movie? And then they're like, then, uh, then they're like you know what? It We're doing Joker and Batman movies only. <laughs> Speaking of Joker, mm-hmm. you like that we'll separate? be right back after this commercial break. Speaking of whatever I said in the, before the commercial break... Joker. Joker, Lady Gaga confirms Joker 2 role opposite Joaquin Phoenix in new musical teaser. 
Um, Lady Gaga confirmed her casting in Joker 2 by posting a musical teaser to social media. The sequel, officially titled Joker Folia de, will star Gaga opposite jo- Joaquin Phoenix, returning as the role of Joker after winning the Oscar for Best Actor. Um, Variety reported in June that Gaga was circling the role of Harley Quinn in the upcoming Joker sequel, which is set to be a musical. Director Todd Phillips posted the screenplay's cover to Instagram on June 7th, revealing the Folly Adieu subtitle. The phrase refers to a shared delusional disorder and Joker's only real companion, other than Batman, anyway, uh, has been Harley. So it's official. We haven't talked about this since it happened, but uh, John, how are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about Joker 2? I know we're divided on this issue. Well, we're not divided on the issue. It's Joker's a good movie. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. It's wonderfully made, wonderfully acted. I was miserable when I watched it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not prepared to go through that again. However, uh, apparently Warner Brothers is, and uh, we'll see what happens. The musical thing is intriguing. Lady Gaga is fantastic. Shout out to Stars Born. Um, all I'm saying now is just go full fucking go full eight inch dick and cast Bradley Cooper as Harvey Dent and get him in this bitch too. Wow, that would be awesome. Tell me something, girl. Can't read my can't read my jo 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 joke face. <laughs> nice. Thanks. I'm sure this will be a fantastically made movie. Todd Phillips, yeah. he ain't no clown, pun intended. He made your but, favorite uh, movie of all time, The Hangover. I love The Hangover. <laughs> what do you do when you too fuck them? Bang 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 good night, you know. Maybe yeah. we could maybe we could get a, a scene where the Joker kills somebody at a dinner table and he goes, Not at the table, Carlos. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I don't congrats, know. Congrats congrats to the Todd Phillips ship and uh, the Matt Reeves ship. You are the only safe ones at DC right now, so good luck. Again, Zach's making the money symbol. Go get your motherfucking movie check. I think that this is a cool idea. By the way, so I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic than most of the internet, I feel. Um, I liked Joker a lot. I bought it on 4K Blu-ray. I've watched it multiple times since it came out in theaters. I think it's a great movie that you leave with a lot of cool stuff to talk about. It reminds me a lot. I came up with this, uh, this comparison recently. The Joker movie is a lot like Shutter Island. Have you ever seen Shutter Island? Love Shutter Island. Okay. It reminds me of that movie. Not it, There is that whole, like, oh, are they seeing what they're seeing? Is it is the world actually real sort of, like, vibe of the movie? But what I like about both of those movies is that they're both, like, just really cool tone pieces that you don't like the main character in either of them. And to me, that resonated for Joker. I really like Joker. I think it's one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. It's up there with, like, the Logans and the... Shout the, out to our comic book movies ranked. Yeah. And uh, so I'm interested in this movie just because I think that this idea, this concept of having, like, a Joker movie be somewhat of a musical, having Lady Gaga be a part of it, like, I, I think that this could be one of the greats if they execute it properly. So I'm I'm in for it. I'm, I'm totally down. I think that this could be awesome. Yeah. Love me some Gaga. I love Gaga. Next up, 
We don't have to spend too much time on this. Avatar has been removed from Disney Plus ahead of the film's theatrical re-release. That's really all you need to know. It's coming back to theaters. I feel like it just got there. Didn't it? To to Disney Plus? Meh. No, no. I'm thinking of something else. It's been there for like a year. I don't know. But Avatar The Way of Water is coming to theaters this December 16th, 2022. Can't wait till we're sitting in Gateway watching that trash fire. But uh, what if it's good? What if it's really good? <laughs> I you're gonna have to eat the biggest blue dick if it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's I'm like have Top to, Gun I'm Maverick? Have to tail meld with a Navi if I yeah. if I lose that bet. Yeah. yeah. Um, I bet you want to do a drink bet right now. I bet that Avatar: The Way of Water gets a a lower score than Avatar on Rotten Tomatoes. What's the score on Rotten Tomatoes for Avatar? Uh, yeah, you can't just you can't just make me bet things that I'm not researching. Eighty-two percent. Oh, it's eighty-two. Eighty-two percent. And you think it's going to be lower? I think it's going to be lower than eighty-two percent. Critical review? Yes. It eighty-two percent critic and eighty-two percent audience for Avatar. Well, let me ask you this, because that is over the last decade. So when do we stop the count? After the first week, second week? I'd say a month, because you got to get enough time. Yeah, a month. So after a month, if it's higher than 82%, you buy me a drink? Sure. Yeah, sure. Whatever. You take that <laughs> okay. bet? Yeah. All right, cool. Cheers. I bet your way of water is going to be delightful. <laughs> it's underwater, man. How much you want to bet halfway through the movie they play that song from Lilo and Stitch? He goes, Milo, hello, hey. <laughs> I was going to say your better bet is, I'm telling you, man, this is a backdoor pilot for the Cameron universe. No, that's not happening either. There's no Celine alien. Dion, halfway through the movie, baby. But how do you feel? How do you feel about this? Avatar, owned by Disney now, was on yep. the Disney Plus streaming service. They took it off a couple weeks before Avatar goes into theaters for a theatrical re-release in September twenty-third. How do you feel about that? Um, Disney's I think kind it's of been stupid. Disney's kind of been doing that for the tale as old as time. They would, like, release Beauty and the Beast and then put it back in the quote-unquote vault. Yeah. And then they would re-release it on DVD and then put it back in the vault. And, like, yeah, I feel like that's just kind of like their ammo. Huh? Yeah, this is the new version of the vault, for sure. Exactly. It's like, if it's on Disney+, Plus, it's there. If it's not, it's in the vault. Are, do you have any interest, or do you know anyone with any interest in your personal life that would go see Avatar in theaters again? I'm actually thinking about it. Because if I'm only going to rewatch it again before seeing the new one, why would I not want to see it on the big screen? Then my friend is truly dead. <laughs> <laughs> How much? I like what for like six dollars on a Tuesday? Would I rather watch Avatar on a big screen than at home? Yeah. But what if the theater near you is showing Superman the movie? And I go see Superman. Did you go see Superman? No, I had a game night instead. Oh, really bummed. Yeah. You broke Christopher Reeve's heart. Um, well, the horse broke his life, so. <laughs> All right. 
Sorry. Next that was, up. That was really dark. I love Christopher Reeves and everything he stands for. <laughs> Next up. Can you see my screen? Yeah, dude. I watched this shit like three times. Yeah, so this is the trailer for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I'm stoked for this, by the way. Let it be said that Disney is also releasing a live-action Pinocchio this year. Yeah. Around the well, same time, starring Tom Hanks, and it looks terrible. Looks awful. But that's what happens when uh, Pinocchio is in the public domain. Yep. Um, so you don't have to battle with rights. If one studio is doing it, the other studio will try and do the same thing. But the fact that... Guillermo del Toro is just a great director, in my opinion, and I love the stop-motion aesthetic of this trailer. I just think this looks fucking phenomenal. Also, Ewan McGregor as Jiminy Cricket. Get the fuck out of here. That is a perfect, perfect casting. Dude, this year's coming up all Ewan. I just think, I, I don't know. I don't know what you think, but I think this trailer looks, like, stunning. I think the stop motion looks unbelievably great. It looks it looks gorgeous. I don't know how you feel about it. I would rather watch this than the live action one. Oh yeah, no question. I, I'm not about to watch. Uh, Tom, I, I got enough of Tom Hanks and Elvis. He's well, he's white. Here's the thing <laughs> he's though. He's white. Here's the thing though. Pinocchio releases direct to Disney Plus on September 8th. You can watch the shit for free. So we could watch the new one, and then in December, when the good one comes out, we could be like, wow, that was so much better than the Robert Zemeckis straight-to-Disney Plus one. Yeah. Plus, dude, it's got, our, it's got our guy Luke Evans in it. He's the coachman. Really? I didn't know. Luke Evans we gotta watch, we have. So here's the thing. Radiovania task. Homework. You and I, we're watching both this year. It's happening. Okay. And then we're going to talk about both on a Pinocchio cast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go to Pleasure Island, baby. We're going to smack some cigars. <laughs> this week on Radiovania, we got me, Zach Rotello, at next to John Swanson Parker and the Crows. <laughs> we got the fucking Crows. From, we got the racist Crows from Dumbo. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus man. Christ. All right. Next up. We're running through this. We're only two hours and 30 minutes into this episode. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. All right, so uh, this was crazy. This this was from this morning. So yeah. this is the most uh, relevant piece of news that we have. Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit film merchandise, theme park, and gaming rights sold to video games company Embracer. So this is a tricksy one. So follow me down this rabbit hole here. Nice pun. Uh, Middle Earth Enterprises, the holding company that owns all J.R.R. Tolkien's works, including Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and more, has been sold to Swedish gaming conglomerate Embracer. The rights includes movies, books, theatrical productions, video games, theme parks, and merchandise in Tolkien's most famous literary works, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, as well as matching rights in other literary works related to Middle Earth as and authorized by the Tolkien estate. They don't say television there. So, yes, this is an interesting thing here that this article goes on for a long time to d explain all this. I saw this this morning. So here's the thing. Every morning begins and ends with every day of Zach Rotella's life begins and ends with Reddit. When I wake up in the morning, I check Reddit and see what's going on. At the end of the day, I check Reddit to see what's going on. The real this question morning, will be, will Zach Rotella's life end with Reddit? Probably. <laughs> I'll probably be looking at Reddit at the time that I pass to the great beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Scrubs this gone morning, wild. 
Yeah, exactly. Yes. Shout out to our big titty goth girlfriends. I love that subreddit. That's a great... <laughs> we got to edit that one out. <laughs> we can edit that one. No, keep it. Keep it. Um, but yeah, so here's the thing, is that I saw this article this morning, and I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers has always had the rights to the film franchise. Not anymore. Not anymore. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> yeah, so this, in, a, in addition to the other fucking stuff that we've been talking about, is another uh, fucking casualty of what's going on with Warner Brothers is that the Swedish company Embracer Group that owns a bunch of video game IPs, TV IPs, and all this stuff just acquired the Lord of the Rings for $2 billion. For $2 billion. All the rights. The that only like thing, the only thing that they didn't get the rights to in this entire sale is the publishing rights. So yeah. the Tolkien estate still has the rights to publish the Thank books, Christ. yeah, and stuff like that. But everything else, video. Think about that. Like the there's that Gollum video game that's still in production. There's the they're still making that. They're still making it. They're still making uh, it. The Amazon TV series, the Rings of the Amazon Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings series. It's supposed to debut next month. Like, is that owned by Embracer now, or is yes. that owned by Amazon? I thought Amazon paid a fortune to get the nope. rights to make a television show. Amazon paid for the rights to make that television show, but now the IP is owned by Embracer Group. So how much does Amazon have to give back to Embracer? Not now. I think those deals have already been made. Oh, so okay. if they want to make say, a second that doesn't season, seem very Bezos. if yeah. they want to make a second season, they're going to have to pay whatever Embracer Group deems those funds be worthy. Jeff Bezos sends in the fucking SWAT team to kill all of the Embracer Group. He's like, I'm not paying anybody. But what the fuck? How really weird, weird is this? How weird is this? Isn't this weird? You know what the Embracer Group wouldn't have done, though? Shell of a background movie. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> they seem like real like, stand-up fellas. Embracer Group. Like, I'm looking at their homepage right now. They have so many different things. Like... They're involved in so much shit. I just, like... I don't understand. They, like, they own Nordic Games. The guys that made... Um, the, so, Embracer Group owns Nordic Games. The guys that made SingStar. Uh, and We Sing. They also... <laughs> They also own THQ Nordic, the guys that made fucking, like, I, God, they own a bunch of shit. Like, I, I, I'm going through the, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, this is not professional at all. They own a bunch of shit. Look at all of this shit. They own Deep Silver, like the company that makes, like, fucking uh, Just Cause games. Gearbox, they own Gearbox, the, the company that makes Borderlands. Um, they own so a bunch of shit. Yeah, it's, they, they it's own a lot so of studios. Weird. It is so weird. Like, um, I mean, good for them, I guess. I hope. Here's the thing. Lord of the Rings is my favorite franchise of all time. The Lord of the Rings trilogy is the perfect trilogy. I really hope that these people are good stewards. What the stewards. fuck happened in this world? There's only one trilogy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
Nice clerks to your reference. Thanks, thank buddy. You, thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know what's happening. Well, this is like a wait and see sort of development. We'll wait and see. Yeah. But next up, Peter Jackson says Amazon's Lord of the Rings t- TV series ghosted him. Yeah. Um, the Oscar. This comes from the Hollywood Reporter. The Oscar-winning director of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies reveals the studio asked him to be involved with this upcoming mega-budget series, The Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power, and promised to send him scripts. Then never contacted him again. "Quote: They asked me if I wanted to be involved, and I said, and I and I said, quote, that's an impossible question to answer without seeing a script." End quote. Jackson recalled to Scott Feinberg on the Hollywood Reporter's uh, Something Something podcast, quote, so they said, as soon as we get the first couple scripts, we'll send them to you, and the scripts never showed up. That's the last thing I heard, which is fine. No complaints at all, end quote. Well. Dangerous. Variety.com. Post an article saying the Rings of Power to debut with two episodes. Are you skipping over this? You don't. You don't want to talk about this at all. This is gonna. It's all gonna come together. It's like it's like synergy, baby. Variety posts the Rings of Power will debut with two episodes and season will end before the House of Dragon finale. Says Amazon Prime Video will debut the first two episodes of Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power on the show's September second premiere date. Switching to a one-episode-per-week release for the remaining six episodes. Um, So it's only eight, if you're doing the math right. Yep. (laughs) So, one, two, uh, uh, ah, ah. Peter Jackson was not informed of anything. He seems to have zero involvement in the show. And we also got confirmation that The Rings of Power is going to debut with two episodes and... This I think that this is the interesting thing is that the series is going to end before House of the the House of the Dragon finale. Yeah, which is ten episodes. So uh, where are you at? Where are you at, John? Where are you at with Rings of Power? Where are you at with House of the Dragon? Where are you at with Lord of the Rings? I want to I want the full comprehensive overlook. Cautiously optimistic. I'll just get that out of the way. I'm more excited for Rings of Power than House of the Dragon. Obviously, I think it looks really cool from like a cinematic standpoint. However, I do have some questions. First of all, is the Rings of Power technically in the same film universe as the Lord of the Rings movies? Yes. Has that been confirmed? I think that's been confirmed. I could be totally wrong, but I think that they're saying that this is canonically part of the Lord of the Rings film franchise. So, like, Ian McKellen could show up. Yes, and any other actors from the Lord of the Rings or Hobbit trilogy. I think that if that is true, I think it is weird to not involve Peter Jackson. Because this isn't a George Lucas situation where, like, they were trying to do the new trilogy and they didn't want his idea. Like, it's literally just, you're just sending your script to Peter Jackson. Like, what's the worst that can happen? He's like, I need more Alfred. And then you're like, eh, we're not going to do that. And then he's like, okay. Like, it's not like you're signing him on to be a producer. It's just kind of a weird move. I agree. I don't know. Yeah, not, I don't. It doesn't make me worried that much. Same. The concept of it being on TV is still the thing that worries me the most. Yes. Yeah. I. I don't. 
I'm withholding judgment on this entire Lord of the Rings thing until because uh, here's my problem, and I don't want to offend you, so please hold your tongue until I'm done with my statement. Hold my Greenville warning tongue. Okay. I do not want the Lord of the Rings on television to be like Star Wars on television, which I have been pretty lukewarm on. Um, Lord of the Rings to me is a perfect trilogy. Clerks jokes. Please make the clerks jokes if you want to. This was the second movie. <laughs> Fucking yeah. A. I think that, you know, the Lord of the Rings is my favorite film franchise. I think it's the best trilogy of movies ever made. I think those three movies are unrivaled. Um, it worries me because the first time I saw Mandalorian, I thought the first season of Mandalorian was like so fucking like boring because it was just bad set drops, bad CGI, boring dialogue, environments where there's no people. Easy, easy. You're getting your point across, but you don't have to be rude. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we know you don't like it, but you don't, you don't have to keep doing this. <laughs> that is what my big, big worry was for Lord of the Rings. But that most recent trailer, I was like, this looks pretty fucking good. Like, it looks like... Hey, Sonny, you ever heard about Sauron? <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm withholding judgment. I, I, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world if they didn't contact Peter Jackson. Although that does give me a little bit of worry. Because he did make that universe what it was. Like, I think the books are great. Those, I've read all those. Them. Those books don't get adapted if he's not in the picture. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I love. Also, I books, love but. you, but uh, those movies don't get made if Star Wars never gets made. So, fact. Sure. No, I agree with that as well. But that being said, I think that they just shit on Star Wars right on their chest. Um. <laughs> no. They squatted right on top of Obi Wan. They old. They squatted on top of old Ben Kenobi and said, uh, "These are the Death Star plans you're looking for." Well. He was a ghost most of the time, so the poop would have just gone right through him. <laughs> right into the ground. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I'm withholding judgment. I just want to say, like, if this show turns out bad, I, I don't think I'll be, like, devastated. Because, again, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is, is the best trilogy of all time. Three of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. So. I'm just going to say this now. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. Because I care about you a lot as a friend. But if it's bad, there's no armistice this time, bitch. No, I'm no, coming no, no. For you. <laughs> That's the thing, though, is that, like, yeah, like, again, like, I feel bad about shitting on Obi-Wan Kenobi because I feel like people have a real passion for it. But, like, if you shit on Lord of the Rings, I don't really give a fuck. Like, if it's bad, it's bad. Like, you can shit on the Hobbit movies all you want. They're bad. There's a lot of bad shit in those Hobbit movies, but, you know, I still really enjoy them. I mean, but, that's, that's literally the same way that I feel about Star Wars. I just think it's a, it's a recurring theme in the podcast that I'd rather not happen, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up, do you want to take this one? Because, gosh, I'm getting some, uh, I'm getting some cotton mouth here. So, you getting, Your mouth's getting a little dry? It's getting a little dry. So right. we're gonna we're gonna watch the Andor trailer. Yeah, yeah. Before we watch the trailer, uh, they are re-releasing Rogue One specifically in IMAX before right. the Andor series premiere. The premiere has now been pushed back to end of September, which is going to be after both House of the Dragon and Rings of Power. 
Um, at least their I'll premiere dates. I'll see um, it again in IMAX. I, I, I only saw Rogue One once in theaters. I've seen it maybe like twice at home. Yeah. But maybe I'll maybe I'll like it better. Maybe I'll give it get a greater appreciation if I see it out in IMAX again. Yeah, I'm excited to see it again on the big screen. I've seen it twice in um twice in theaters. I never saw it in IMAX though, so that'd be pretty sick. But you know, moving on. Andor. This trailer came out around Comic Con, and we didn't talk about it on our Comic Con episode. That's so that's why I brought it up here because I've been watching. It? Do you see the trailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been okay, watching cool. this trailer a lot. How cool is this trailer, man? Oh, like, fucking. Hey, dude, this looks... Stellan Skarsgård looks like a fucking baller in this show. <laughs> yeah. And the, Again. Uh, not being on the volume, they're, they're fucking, their limits are gone. It looks like Star Wars again, which is really cool. You know, Rogue One is, I, in my opinion, Rogue One is the best cinematic movie of all time on Star Wars. Um, maybe with the exception of Empire. Uh, that is shot by our boy who shot Dune and the Batman and Rogue One, whose name escapes me for the second. Do you know who it is? I can't remember. Shit. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember the name right off the bat. Yeah, he's great. And uh, this, this trailer looks sick. I mean, I love the espionage early vestiges of the Empire with the Senate and like, Stellan Skarsgård pretending to be like an imperial dignitary, but secretly leading a rebellion, recruiting Cassian and Saw Gerrera and stuff like that. Like this, it just looks really fucking good, and it looks good to watch. And we don't know any of these characters except for Cassian, so that excites me. Um, you're a little more lukewarm, if if not negative, on Cassian himself as a character from the movie specifically. So hopefully, this show kind of allows us to have a little bit more of a runway with him. It has been confirmed that the first season is 12 episodes and the second season will debut next year and the second season is when K2SO shows up. So this is this is a full 12 episodes without Alan Tudyk, which would be I think good for making us invest in some of the new characters. But yeah. Yeah, man, no, that start that Star Destroyer shot going over the hillside is just like cool. sick. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, and I I texted this to the group I just want to pause on this shot. Like, just, again, I, I know I'm going to catch flack for this, but, like, this this looks a thousand times better than anything in the Obi-Wan show. Like, just the fact that they, it looks like they're being shot on real backdrops and people are in scenes together and, it, like, I don't know. I think Andor looks awesome. I have no, literally less than an ounce of passion for Cassian Andor as a character. But I think that the idea of this show is cool. Like, showing the underbelly of the rebellion and, like, the rise up of all this stuff. Like, I think it's a cool concept. And, I don't know, the show just looks good. Like, the cinematography, like, I don't know what. They should have hired this fuck... They should have hired whoever the fuck did cinematography of this for the Obi-Wan show because, like, this show looks so good. Like, all the vistas look great. All the practical effects look awesome. The, there's, like, they're relying less and less on the volume. Like, I see, like, a lot of CG shots, but, like, there's a lot of yeah. great shots on sets. And, man, I was missing this. I was missing this vibe in Star Wars. It feels like it's been a long time since I felt this, and so... It's been um, since Rise of Skywalker. So, 
I'm in. Yeah. I'm fully in. I can't wait. September's going to be a cool month. There's going to be a lot of really awesome stuff to This show premieres digest. when we're at Celtic Classic, my guy. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we know exactly what what's going to be our... Uh, Drinking game? Our Well, no, our, our show that we watch when we're drunk that we... Uh, like we get chicken wait, wait, wings. Wait. And Don't pause it. Right here. Let's call it what it is. Whoa. Uh, I love Forrest Whitaker. My man. A little Saw Gerrera action. A little Saw Gerrera action. I flew him in X-Wing last night beautifully. He died every time. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. I think Andor looks really, really cool. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? No. Just uh, this last news doc and then let's talk about Prey. Cool. So the last news doc is something we can breeze by. Uh, IGN posted an article uh, yesterday, August 17th, that said that Marvel canceled an open-world Iron Man game from the studio that made Just Cause. Avalanche Studios, the team behind the Just Cause series, was apparently working on an Iron Man game for multiple years before Marvel and Disney pulled the plug on the project. Uh, they gave an interview with MinMax, and Avalanche Studios' co-founder Christopher Sundberg said the game was, quote, in development for a couple of years before it was ultimately canceled around 2012. Uh, it would have been an open-world game where Sundberg said you'd be able to, quote, take off and fly anywhere. End quote. Sunberg also mentioned the ability to punch enemies through walls with Iron Man's repulsor gloves. Sounds fun. Sounds sounds fucking awesome. The fact that would you rather be Iron Man than Spider Man though? Because it sounds similar, like flying around through the air, attacking people from the sky. But if, if I could be Iron Man and also be in a GTA environment where I could go to a strip club, that'd be pretty, that'd be, that'd be pretty sick. Damn, baby, you got it all. <laughs> Peach body oil? <laughs> it's just like Iron Man and fucking uh, Bruce Banner at the strip club. Yeah. Don't hook out. The crazy thing to me, more so than this, you know, because this sounds like a fun idea, the fact that like an... The, Imagine just just cause with but your Iron Man. That sounds well, awesome. I mean, I feel like we had a similar conversation when they they canned the aiming the Amy Henning Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. It's just like why why not make more games? Don't more game more games for JP to ignore until Zach forces him to play it. That's how it goes. That's yeah. how it always. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that like Marvel has just put out such mediocre games, like the Marvel's Avengers video game, like the that just that thing just failed, and no one talks about it, no one cares about it. They're on the up and up. They got Spider Man Two and Wolverine and fucking Miles no and Spider Man. No one cares. I no care. No one cares. I love. Have you played it? Games. What Miles? The this the Avengers video game. Oh, I'm saying they're on the up and up. With the next couple of games, I don't give a well, fuck. Well, they the are, Avengers but the I was yeah. talking about the Avengers video game, the one that's like the no, pass. Yeah, I tried to play it. I was bored out of my gourd. <laughs> I'm ready for Gotham Knights, though, baby. Hell yeah, dude! It went gold. Do you see that? Yesterday they yeah. confirmed it went gold. Jason Todd. Who smokes the blunts? Who smokes the blunts? All right. Time for the topic of the show. It's our Prey review. That's right. Prey. Directed by Dan Trachtenberg. 
written by Patrick Izon, Dan Trachtenberg, Jim Thomas, based on characters by Jim Thomas. Uh, stars Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, Dane Deligro. Um, <clears throat> it was released straight to Hulu on August 5th, 2022. Hour and 39 minutes long. On Rotten Tomatoes, it currently sits at a 93% critical review. Shit, man. And a 78% audience score. Okay, okay. John, you and I both watched The Prey. <laughs> Just Prey. The Prey. Yeah, no, you have to be careful, because there's Predator, The Predator, Predators, and Predator 2. So the V are actually very important. So, okay, so that's a gr- that's actually a great... Uh, thing to point out Place here is, start. yeah. What is your history with the Predator franchise? All right, love Predator. Okay with Predator Two. Really like Predators, which is where like Adrian Brody and those guys get kidnapped to the Predator planet. Never saw the saw the uh, Shane Black Predator, the Predator movie with uh, Boyd Holbrook and fucking. Sterling K. Brown. I heard that movie was dog shit. And then I'm out on AVP, both versions. Yeah, I I like the original Predator. It's a great action flick. Never saw it's Predator It's a great 80s two. machismo, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. You I never saw Predator 2. Oh, really? No, I never saw Predator 2. You should watch Predator 2, man. Um, I've only seen bits and pieces of the AVP movies. I've never seen a whole one all the way through. They're awful. Um, I liked Prometheus quite a bit. Oh, um, we're doing alien movies too? <laughs> well, they're part of that universe. You're just I guess. trying to sneak that in there? <laughs> trying to sneak that in there. Um, the Shane Black Predators movie I tried to watch and I couldn't get through it. I thought it was so bad. That's the and one with Jacob Tremblay in it, right? Jacob Tremblay, Keegan Michael Key is in it. Olivia Munn. Yeah. It was Yikes. Painful. Painful. Shane Black in Predator as an actor. Yeah. Often credited as the writer of that movie. Not true. Yeah. Um, but Prey I liked quite a bit. Me too. I thought it, it was very entertaining. My favorite Predator sequel. <laughs> I would agree. I would also say I think it's it's on par, if not better, than the original Predator. It's not better than the original. That's where we defer. Listen, this movie looks better, but that's just accounting for time. You you can't you can't beat 1986 or 87. I don't remember what year. Arnold Schwarzenegger, butt ass naked, covered in mud. Lights a torch on fire and just screams into the void. And then it summons a melee fight with the Predator. Sick. Yeah. Fucking uh, Jesse Ventura, like, cutting himself on that bridge, right? Like, the guy's, like, shaving himself over and over again. Plus, our guy, Carl Weathers. That's true. Dylan. Anyway, let's know. talk about Prey. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Prey. We're talking about Prey. 
Uh, yeah. So Dan Trachtenberg, let's just start it off there. He directed Ten Cloverfield Lane. He the hasn't done you much. And I else. saw it together. That's right. Yeah, that's and one of I, our first mandates. That's true. And I love Ten Cloverfield Lane. I think it's a great science fiction flick. Um, dude, and I I told this to you on the phone. Like I, Dan Trachtenberg clearly knows how to make a movie on a low budget. Yep. And Maybe I think that that's a skill. Seriously, yeah. I think that's a skill that not many directors have. Like, being able to finally craft a movie. Be able to know exactly what you're trying to go for, but also do it on a budget where you're not going to, like, fucking bankrupt HBO. Like, good for him. Good for him. Because this movie undoubtedly made money. Just, it didn't have a, it didn't have a theatrical release at all which is the craziest thing i would have seen this movie in the theaters i would have absolutely gone to see this movie in the theater yeah can you imagine this on dolby with like the fucking those like montanas like like fucking vistas uh yeah seeing that that fight scene in the fog give it to me yeah that's the crazy thing is that like you know This was clearly a holdover from the whole merger because Hulu is now a part of uh, Disney. Disney. And so a lot of the more adult films that they've been releasing have been straight to Hulu. But things like like Deadpool and Logan that were on Hulu are now migrated over to Disney+. So they're starting to loosen their grip on what they're showing on their platform versus what they're not showing. Um, so it was interesting to, for me to watch this movie, which is a very hard R. It's very gory, very graphic, very violent. Um, there's no sexual content. There's no like language content. Really? It's really all just violence, all violence. And, uh, I don't know. I think that this movie would have done pretty well theatrically if they released it in the theater, but, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining the whole way through i really really enjoyed the idea of the whole there's a prehistoric sort of predator like a predator that's not fully fledged out like he doesn't have all the gadgets and he's fighting against the comanche tribe that you know they're learning and i i just thought that amber mid thunder i have a huge soft spot for her because uh, she's in one of my favorite shows of all time which is legion uh she's so good in legion um and so I just loved her in this movie, but yeah, um, it was just. I like it, the dog. It, also, yeah, a great, great dog acting, great movie dog. Yeah, top ten movie dog for sure. Can we spoil it at all? We can. All right, spoilers from the rest from now till the rest of the episode. When Spoiler. she. <laughs> when she's hiding in the beaver dam from the bear and then the fucking predator comes up and just like guts the bear and like holds it above him as like the blood drips down i was like i was like this is so sick yeah this, yeah i thought that the fucking action in this was dope as hell like also, great setup of the bog earlier in the movie that she then traps the predator in later to laser vision himself in the head. Yeah, for sure. Good filmmaking technique. Again, it's just like it's just a smart, quick 
yeah concise movie it's under two hours by a lot and i love it i would just wish more movies were like that yeah i agree like yeah um you mentioned the whole the the ending sequence like yeah her being able to capture the predator like it all has to do with her training everything that she learns up to that point is how she uses like that knowledge she uses to to defeat the predator it's very fulfilling like you as an audience member feel like you've been on that journey with her and you know exactly what you would do in that scenario it's really really well done it's very clever and yeah i totally agree i i think that the the especially like calling back to the original quicksand scene where she's like in it and she doesn't know what she's doing like the first scene where she's like struggling i'm like fuck that's like my nightmare <laughs> yeah yeah she's like trying to throw the tomahawk into uh into the roots to blow herself out yeah i love all the i want to coin a phrase coin it baby torch play when movies use torches for lighting but it's natural the Mummy with Brendan Fraser does this really well. <laughs> <laughs> so does this movie when they're like stumbling around in the forest at night looking for her brother. Oh, yeah. Okay. National Treasure uses torches really well. I'm a big fan of torch play. I can get down with that. TM. TM. Torch play. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> Indiana yeah. Jones, obviously, the king of torch play. Indy, the torch is going out. <laughs> Man. Good job. Yeah. I, 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 I really just loved how visceral this movie was. Like, it was all super... Super grounded. It, it it just it's crazy to me that like did you never you said you never watched the Shane Black Predator movie? No. That's okay. the one where there's like the big predator. Yeah. Well it's a lot of a lot of things. That movie's that movie's a fucking clusterfuck. But it's just cool that like I, I again I'll shout out Dan Trachtenberg. Like that guy knows how to make a mid budget, low budget movie, like this movie is beautiful. Like the the environment shots are great, the action's great. Like I just, it's just crazy to me. Like he did such a good job with this movie, and the movie is, you know, it's not overly long. It's not, uh, it's not convoluted. It's just very simple. It's straightforward to the point. It's a really, really great action movie. There's characters that overcome things, overcome adversity. They they have their goals. They set to those goals. They figure out those goals. They beat the bad guy. It really is. It's 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 a crowd pleaser movie. And and that's my problem is that like I I do think that this movie could have done well in a theatrical environment. I just you know. But how would, well? That's the problem is that like I I think that they probably you know, releasing this straight to, to Hulu, like, they probably did get a huge bump in subscribers. They got the trending hashtag. They got all that stuff. It's like, you wonder if that same sort of atmosphere carried over to a theatrical release. I just don't know. In this day and age, I just don't know. I really dug it. Good. I dug I it. I think... Too. 
I think it's, but this is like one of those things where it's like, I don't know if we're ever going to get a movie like this direct to streaming again. Clearly. No. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like, especially, well, at least yeah. not from the Warner Brothers side. But. Not from Warner <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, that's the thing is that like, yeah, I would love movies like this to be continued to be made for streaming services because this was awesome. And I had such a great time watching this on my own, like in my own TV at home with my great stereo speaker system but you know in the future is something like this even going to be a consideration i just don't know yeah. it's hard to tell so do you think this is your favorite predator movie though it definitely it it has more definitely the first yeah, the first Predator movie is cool. It's got it's got Schwarzenegger. You know, you got some fights and blood and gore and stuff like that. But this movie actually has like characters and depth and stuff. And I just didn't feel like the first Predator movie had that. Interesting. Hmm. What's your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> um. Jingle all the way, probably. Ooh. Put that cookie down. Young Jake Lloyd. Oh, was J- Jake Lloyd was in that movie? Yeah, he's his son. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Besides that, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to pick one. Yeah. What about you? My favorite Arnold movie? Yeah. Terminator 2, definitely. Oh, that's a good pick, too. Yeah. do 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 Maybe we'll do a Terminator in review when we're done with Fast. I really don't want to watch anything beyond T2. Oh, come on. Terminator <laughs> Salvation? Okay. All right. You got me. All right. Those are the only three, though. <laughs> but yeah, so I totally recommend... Um, you can't watch it in a the theater because it's not there, but um, Prey is a really great movie. It's a really fun time. Uh, definitely a great four-beer flick while you're chilling out at home. But, John, do you recommend Prey? Absolutely, I do. Cool. It's better than Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Don't know if I go that far. I think Bodies, Bodies, Bodies <laughs> is a little bit better. But yeah, that's a that is a they that's like comparing uh, fucking Star Wars to uh, Din- D- David Lynch's Dune. Wait, which one's which? Prey is David Lynch's Dune, and Star Wars is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Well, I would never say it's that David Lynch's Dune is better than Star Wars. It's a terrible you should, analogy. You should watch David Lynch's Dune. I've seen it. See. Oh, it's not good. better than Star Wars. No, not a chance. No, 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 no. Baron like, Harkonnen. Do you like Dune more than Star Wars? What? Do you like the new Dune more than Star Wars? No. All of Star Wars? No, no, no. Just the original trilogy. Oh, uh, no. I still think Empire Strikes Back is one of the best movies of all time. But not better than Lord of the Rings. Hmm. I think Empire Strikes Back is better than Fellowship and Two Towers, but it's not as good as Return of the King. Fair. Is Empire Strikes Back better than any of the MCU? Yes, it's better than all of them. 
Okay. All right. You, you earned some brownie points back, my friend. This is a good way to end the show. Because <laughs> I was going right. to drive down there and kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for joining us in this episode of Radiovania. This is episode number 102. Uh, as always, you can go to radiovania.com to check up with all of our old episodes. Please email radiovaniashow at gmail.com with all your questions, comments, and concerns. And uh, YouTube Radiovania for all of our funny videos. Uh, and I'm at Zachratello. He's at Najathan Parker. The Twitter is at Radiovania. And we will be back in a week with the next couple episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And uh, who knows? John and I might start watching She-Hulk, which I might watch an episode of this before I go to bed. But before yeah. we go... I'm a couple of drinks deep. Cl- I might want to watch some green, some green lady. <laughs> yeah. Some green lady. Some Fiona. Well, before we leave, let me ask you this. How many episodes are they premiering tonight? Just one? Just one. Daredevil's not in this. I bet he's the stinger at the end. (gasps) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, So we should let people know that we will be taking a long hiatus over Labor Day weekend, which is just in two short weeks. So yes, if anything, I'm going to publish this episode as soon as as soon as possible. I'm gonna, we're going to finish recording this episode. I'm going to publish it ASAP. But then after that, like we're going to have cast six hit yeah. today or earlier this week. Sorry, right? Fast cast came out this morning. Yep. So it hit earlier this morning. This pod will drop soon. We have another Radio Vision dropping. But before our long hiatus, we'll probably do one more Radio Vision, but don't expect a new stock until after the holiday. Is that fair enough to say? I would say that's fair enough. If you're lucky and we have enough time and I'm in Cincinnati and we're feeling the need for speed, maybe we do Furious 7 in person. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We'll see you again, Batgirl, I promise. (laughs) That's a great way to end it.